Hello everyone! Welcome back to another episode of Lorebeards. I think this might... Is this episode 20 or was last episode episode 20? This is episode 20. Oh man, we made it. Another <laughs> another threshold somehow, some way. Uh, well, that's excellent. But we hope you're all doing well uh, this Sunday. We've got a number of interesting things to talk about. Some cool little topics here and there. But uh, first things first... Of course, just kind of check in with everybody. Granted, it's only been a few days since the last episode, but uh, Nathan, how you been? It's good. Uh, a little bit tired. Uh, being just like super busy. I um, Someone got in contact with me that they were selling off their unpainted Warhammer army. And it's 120 blood, uh, blood letters, <laughs> like 20 juggernauts. It, it's an army. It's a demon army of core and all on glorious square bases. So I've been sorting that out, doing repairs, and just thinking, God, why did I agree to this? But uh, it's cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice army. I need to get around to uh, selling all those high elves that I've got locked in the cabinet. Don't sell those? those... <laughs> I why? think they're, they're garbage, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Why would I keep them? They're, <laughs> they're all just, like, locked in a cabinet. But rare. Yeah, but I just I like I don't I don't like high elves. <laughs> I have no desire to keep them. They're a fun army though. I quite like them in eighth. They were all right in eighth, but uh, most of the models are from like six. Um, back when high elves were just like absolute garbage. <laughs> like oh. they were just absolute ass. Um, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to. I, I plus like a lot of them are like in like most of it would be bits. I think very few of them are like still intact and everything, mm. but because uh, they've just been sitting in there for like a decade. But uh, I myself am doing uh, well. I'm certainly doing better than I was uh, the other day. Um, I I have learned a valuable lesson that I uh, as much as I don't want to, uh, I really need to be <laughs> taking it as easy as I can. Because uh, I had like a super stressful day the other day, and uh, man, my ulcer flared up so bad. <laughs> it was it was a miserable few days. Uh, so the last few days, I've literally done as little as possible, um, and have rested as much as possible. Like I've read some books and played like a tiny bit of like Breath of the Wild, and haven't touched anything else, and I've been feeling much better. Uh, so that was kind of a that was kind of a good wake-up call of, like, I should probably not jump back into everything until I am, like, actually 100% healed up <laughs> from yeah. this. Um, but uh, hopefully this week will be better than last week. But uh, we're certainly going to start it off on a good note. So uh, with that pretty much out of the way, let's go ahead and check out our lore beer submissions for Tale of Two Gamers today. Gonna refresh the page real quick knock it to latest and we'll just go down the list all right so first up from florian the ratio we've got chronomatic cogs and he made it nurgle theme so it's all rusted and gross those look rust. absolutely excellent yeah that is really really nice yeah the mucus slime part turned out very very nice it's very wet looking yeah, that is impressive. Russ looks really good, too. Yeah, it looks great. That's mm. a really good endless spell. I don't know how well it works in a Nurgle army. Like, I imagine it's decent, but I haven't 
gotten to play against the new Nurgle yet, so I have no idea how they work. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get to play against them soon. Next up, we've got Rowan the Accused coming back in with some Tau Rices suits. A lot of suits, jeez. He has so many... Rowan has so many minis. He does. <laughs> Every week he has, like, new stuff. He's got a fucking uh because he's he's my mod for my Discord and my YouTube. Uh he's got a fucking manta and everything, man. It's impressive. Well, and they look absolutely fantastic too. I wish I had a painted army. <laughs> I don't Parsite Enclaves for Tau just looks so cool because the red and the grey just they, they match up so well. Yeah, looks awesome. Especially with like the the green little dots on like the eyes and next to the guns and stuff and then he's got like large gold uh buttons on the or whatever those are on the jetpacks like they just they just look great and the bases are like really interesting without being overloaded like they just look really natural why is nice though very nice very crispy uh let's see and then <laughs> champion of corn is showing us the first two minis he ever painted, which he has named Greg and Jeffrey. Even that is... Oh, man. These look very similar, I think, to most people's first painted minis when you're like, I just I just want color on them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish... <laughs> I don't know if I still have my first minis. I'd have to go... I'd have to go look. I know they're hideous, but I think I... I think I have them lurking around somewhere. The first minis I ever painted was 10 5th edition Lizardman Saurus back when they were like really different looking and like the main Lizardman color was green. Mine were uh oh, go ahead. Uh Space Marines, Ultramarines and they're currently locked in a vault. Um they will never see the light of day again. <laughs> uh yeah, minor, minor. Uh, when I would play tabletop, I would sometimes sub in those Saurus because uh, I wouldn't have enough in like, uh, especially 7th edition, of course, were actually pretty decent. And I'd be running like 40 or 50 of them. But uh, anyway, on to the next mini we've got from Ray is an absolutely drop dead gorgeous, great and clean one. Uh, it says it's their friend's work, but man, that is like really clean, gross work. Like it looks absolutely fantastic, but it's like, damn, that's clean. I love gray and clean ones. It's so cool. Yeah, like that. That is a crisp paint job. Yeah, I mean, look at the back with the folds and everything. That's so good. Yep. I also really, really like. I this is my favorite version. Of the new green and clean one, where he's got the he's got the sword and the the flail, and it all just looks absolutely fantastic. Mm. I like, yeah. It's someone in chat mentioned. Uh, it's it's I I do love the way he's holding him too. It's like somebody holding like a puppy that they just brought home for the first time. <laughs> and then from Ray once again, we have a work in progress of Alaris custodians and a sister of silence. Ooh, that banner is looking, or that uh, the the cape is looking very, yeah. very nice on that Sister of Silence already. Very clean. Looking very, good. Very clean. Looking absolutely good. 
Making progress. I always hate when capes have those little, like, raised designs. Like, they look cool, but it's just, like, great. Now I gotta hope I can paint this without screwing up the rest of my model, which is yeah. rare. Oh, I left my alerts on. Sorry. Uh, Eric, if you're watching, thank you for the follow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, oh boy, we got some Square Base Fantasy Saurus. Yes. Uh, so we've got some... So, so he's uh, he says he's building a Southlands army. Uh, a Southlands army, but you're running Saurus? What is this? <laughs> what kind of Southlands army runs Saurus? <laughs> cool that's uh what black scales with mixed with yellow that's pretty yeah it looks absolutely fantastic i really i really love like the sort i do want the source minis to get new models um but these models do still i do still like them i just hate building them because yeah. like it's so convoluted because like every arm is separate the head is separate and the shield is separate. It's just like, uh, it's in so many parts. Why is it in so many parts? <laughs> nice big block, though. Nice. Yeah. It, curious, it's in ranks of six, though. Yeah, I mean, that's really... Uh, I prefer ranks of six, because uh, it will give you, like... That's your maximum frontage against, um, like, most units. Um, like, if you go up against a rank of five of a uh uh because four saurus is equal to five of a of a geo mic 20 that? millimeter base oh did it yeah like you said against most units and then you went oh, okay. quiet so again against most units uh, that have a 20 millimeter base um the um four saurus perfectly match up to that so this this is how you maximize your frontage against most yeah. enemy units so six is the optimal way to run them uh, unless you have some particular other scheme going on. But I would always run my Saurus or my Temple Guard six wide, unless I didn't have enough points to have a proper sized unit. Bad. Not bad. That looks great, though. Uh, oh, and he's also got a, he's got a work in progress on unit of Cold One Riders. Oh, Cold One Riders. I love you in theory, but God, I hate their models. I hate them so much. <laughs> They're so ugly. <laughs> Cold ones, the, the, just the, the actual mount, uh, they're so thick, right? Yeah, like they're immensely thick. And <laughs> granted, they're not as stupid looking as the prior editions, but they're still just, uh, they're just, they're just, they're just. I just, I just need the lizardmen to get. Like, I think skinks still look really, really good. Um, like I think they've aged very well, but I think most of the Saurus sculpts could use new minis. I would not be upset. I love the the paint scheme. It is really nice. Yeah, I, uh, it's like a really good desert theme. Mm, so cool. So cool. Here's what he's going to end up going with for the basing. Uh, but it does look very, very nice. And I, it's it's a it's a very unique color scheme, but it fits really, really well. Just kind of like that deserty, rustic yellow, then followed up with the uh, black scales, and it looks really nice with the. Uh, black and gold shields too yeah looks great man keep it up i'm excited to see how that army progresses oh my god louis wheatley sending in a goddamn anvil of doom oh i love it oh that it is and he's using it as a celestial hurricanum for cities of sigmar that is so great that is vastly superior <laughs> 
I oh gosh, I miss Anvils of Doom so much. Yeah. Like That's I so cool. I hate that they don't exist in AOS in any way. Like I keep waiting for them to like introduce like a super magma drop that has like an Anvil of Doom on its back or just bring back the Anvil of Doom for the dispossessed, but nope, still still nothing. But uh God, it's a great mini. Mm. I love that he just combined it all in one big base. It's very nice. Yeah. Back back before uh they, they invented the portable <laughs> Anvil of Doom for uh Total War. And then from Florian Noratio again, we've got some endless spells. So we've got the uh we've got two of the Gloom Spite gets endless spells. We've got their their Bad Moon Endless Spell and the uh, Scuttle Cauldron, which the Scuttle Cauldron always makes me profoundly uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like inanimate objects with spider legs. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I just I'm just not a fan. <laughs> it's just I don't I don't want them to be. I love that he uses the goblin green base color. Yeah, it's classic, isn't <laughs> the, it? The, the the true OG color that works that still works so nicely for goblins. Mm. I actually don't know what the Bad Moon Endless Spell does, now that I think about it. Like, I've never seen it used. I've seen the other two, um, the Scuttle Tide and the uh, the um, the Cauldron. Because uh, the Cauldron, I think, is just a buff spell for the Wizards. But mm. um, it's a really good buff spell. Like, I actually really like that one. Because I think it's like, if it's on the battlefield next to your Wizard, your Wizard knows all the spells from their particular lore of magic. Um, instead of just, like, the one they would normally know. It looks great. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I use these as terrain mostly because they just fit so well with themed um, maps. Yep, and then we got a last second entry uh, by OK. You'll have to scroll back up to the top of Orphean Catacros. And God, it's great paint job, but it's like, man, it's such a such a busy model. Like, I yeah. love it, but like, man... When when GW starts releasing fucking dioramas, <laughs> it's character models. Oh, <laughs> uh, it looks so good though. The shield in particular turned out really nice. I love the yeah. edge highlighting on the shield. And he also hey, put in a mean... lot of unique terrain. I think I don't remember some of this terrain on his mini, but maybe maybe it's just that the the grass aspects are throwing me off. But it looks really nice. Like it's not. It's it's uh it's got more of a like natural feel to it because it's got that um like felt grass and little rocks and stuff all over the place. Yeah. Awesome, looks great. Well thank you everyone for sending in your minis. We really appreciate it. Lots of really, really cool ones. Uh that will be it. For Tale of Two Gamers today, um, I would say, uh, what should what should people be thinking about for next week if they got a pile to pull from? Oh, we said War Beasts, so let's just keep, Beasts, let, yeah. let's let's just keep that for for next week. That way, everyone has a full week on it. So, War Beasts creatures uh, is a focus if you need a focus, but uh, that is all good. So, with that out of the way, um, just a couple of little things. Uh, before we get into some of the, the bigger subjects for today, um, for those who are interested or keeping up with AOS, the Fire Slayers uh, and Aiden Deepkin are finally out. 
and you have the ability to go just pick them up and purchase them from your local hobby store. Um, I got my copies about two days ago. Um, I've had time to sit down and read some of the lore. I haven't been able to read every single page, and I've read a lot of the War Scrolls and stuff. Um, I'm actually pretty pleased with how those books came out um, so far. Like, the Fire Slayer book in particular seems... Or both books seem way more balanced um, than the first two books. Uh, the first two books we got of the edition being Stormcast Eternals and Auric Warclans. I, they're fun books, but they definitely still need to get hit with a nerf bat. Uh, the uh, we're still having issues with the Stormcast Dragons being way too good, and the uh, the um, Warclans Maw Crusher is also still uh, a bit oppressive. But um, uh, the newer books being The Magikin of Nurgle, which came out, I think, two or three months back now, and then uh, Fire Slayers and Eidneth seem to be in a really good place. Um, though I'm sure someone will find some crazy way to exploit some stuff, but I'm having hopes that 3rd Edition is uh, settling into getting being a balanced edition. Uh, instead of being like a complete clusterfuck, <laughs> um, right now there's there's it's uh it's definitely still a little struggling when it comes to like cities of Sigmar and uh, um storms stormcasts they're they're a little overtuned at the moment, but uh, hopefully that'll get addressed here some point in the future. But the new books are super fun. Uh, the only thing that I was really disappointed with the Fire Slayer book is that. Gotrek isn't mentioned at all in it, which made me really sad. Because I keep wanting Gotrek to be the god of fire, but it seems like they're not going that direction. There is a lot of hints that Grimnir is apparently, like, supposedly getting close to resurrecting. Um, and there is also some really interesting mentions of uh, the... Grugni, um, of course, being back, the god of metal. Uh, has tried to unify all of the Dwarden into a single faction, which is something that we've talked about in the past, of thinking that was going to happen. But, um, turns out that they, uh, <laughs> a lot of the Fire Slayers were like, nah. <laughs> like, nope, nope, no thank you. We, we do not want to be combined with those other nerds. Uh, so, uh, there's kind of an interesting dynamic going on right now of Grugni being back. And a lot of the Dwarden just don't really seem to know how to feel about it. But uh, I am excited to see where the future is going to go. And the Ideneth Deepkin book and is also very, very interesting. And I'm, I haven't had time to really um, dive into it too much yet. Other than looking at the War Scrolls. Because I got my ass kicked by an Ideneth Deepkin player at the last tournament I was at. And I was like, alright, I gotta know if the same bullshit that was done to me at the tournament can happen to me again. Um, and the answer is no, I cannot be bullshitted as hard as I was bullshitted at that last tournament where they were running an entire fucking army with two up freaking armor saves, <laughs> which was just bullshit. It was bullshit. But, uh, thankfully they cannot do that nearly as easy anymore. But, um, I am really interested to see, uh, where they're going with all of that. And we are getting a lot of hints of some major, narrative events where they've got like the Ideneth Deepkin have some super souls what they're called the Sithai which may be returning at some point in the near future they're currently regenerating and then there's a lot of hints in the Fire Slayer lore 
about not only that it seems like Grimnir is getting close to resurrecting, but uh, ever since the big life storm that Alario unleashed on the world, we there is mentioned that underneath the, so the Fire Slayer's like capital, like their big super city, it's called Vostargi Mount, and uh, this volcano supposedly something super duper big and terrifying has woken up underneath it and is moving around, and the Fire Slayers don't know what it is. And I really hope that has something to do with Resurrected Grimnir and it ends up being like a Magma Droth on cocaine or Resurrected Volcatrix. And then we get a giant dwarf character, or we get like a dwarf character riding a giant ancestral terrifying monster creature as the God of Fire. And I can finally enjoy having a super mini, which is going to be great. Because not having a God of Fire bothers me. <laughs> I just like it. <laughs> I, I want a God of Fire. But uh, anyway, uh, outside of that, uh, the last few little bits about AOS um, is that Games Workshop seems to have sorted their printing issues when it comes to books because they're moving much faster all of a sudden on uh, new information. And um, that includes... Um, well, outside of stuff like the entire Tyranid book leaking online, which I'm sure Games Workshop is just thrilled about. Um, <laughs> that seems to be a 40k specific problem <laughs> with the, the leaks right now. It's so common, I think it's them at this point, because it happened with the Tau book previously. It happened with the Eldari book. It's like, look, just like put it out there and don't say it's a leak, you know, because at this point it looks too convenient that it's happening all the time. That or a playtester has gone rogue, which I, is very I think, possible. Yeah, I, I think it's playtesters only, only because the Tyranid thing is literally just the entire book. <laughs> like I yeah, could never see. Tau. Yeah. Like the Tau I can happen exactly the same. Yeah. I could like, and like the Tyranid book's not even up for pre-order for like another couple of weeks uh so like i could never see gw doing that because like there's a whole group of people that are going to be like oh well, i don't have to spend money now <laughs> like which is like uh i don't yeah i don't that's that's a little too piracy for old sotek but um uh outside of that um the uh there is some interesting stuff going on in aos right now um due to something we got called a battle scroll which for us battle scrolls are kind of like rules updates for like the entire game um and normally what they've been in the past are like they come out and they adjust the points and like edit some of the rules and like do a little bit of a q a um this time they didn't do that which was really disappointing what they didn't said is they introduced a new rule which is kind of like a comp system but it's like really it feels like they're trying to introduce comp uh, which for anyone not aware, a comp is was a system, at least that I grew up with in fantasy, where because the game was not even remotely balanced, um, a lot of groups did their own comp systems where they would basically punish you in different ways from taking like really overpowered builds. So if you took like a, a, a friendly build, it would give you more points in a tournament than if you took a super hardcore competitive build that will get you like less points because you know that took way less effort to win with it. Um, and GW kind of seems to be doing something similar, which is interesting. Uh, but their system right now it's very minor because basically it's a system of if your opponent takes something that's like super strong, 
and like basically everybody takes so like a stormcast player shows up and he has dragons or someone's just playing one of like the or like a auric player shows up and i think they have like a maw crusher or like kragnos or something um or uh or no, maybe not kragnos but it's just like certain factions or certain units and then you have a unit that's underplayed so like nighthaunt is considered an underplayed army apparently so like i get this benefit if one of if you have something that's considered weaker so it's like a unit that's not taken very often or it's an army that's not taken very often so for instance my nighthaunt if my nighthaunt kill one of these units that's considered overpowered or taken too often i get bonus victory points but right now it's like pretty subtle because it's only actually sorry that's not correct it you could play anybody and if uh as long as you don't kill one of the op creatures with another op creature you get at least one victory point but if you kill an op creature with an underpowered faction then you get two victory points which like it's it's a it's a little something but it's not a it's not a lot um i i don't think it's going to have a huge impact on the game and i would much rather them just come out and adjust the points or update some war scrolls especially with those goddamn sigmar dragons dude their war scroll is like a fucking book it is so stupid <laughs> and it does something in like every phase like you'll you'll like even in fantasy or 40k terms i think everyone can recognize how stupid this is those dragons once per game get a free movement in the hero phase or like the equivalent of the magic phase so like they can move twice per turn and like when i say move i mean like a 12 inch flying move for free in a phase that you normally can't do movement <laughs> like why <laughs> who thought that was okay anyway though um and then the last thing I'm going to talk about very briefly for AOS is, of course, uh, I am super duper excited because there's a new Nighthaunt book on the way. Uh, Daughters of Cain are also getting their, like, third book in, like, two years. <laughs> um, but they're both coming with a new mini. Um, for Nighthaunt, we're actually getting a new unit as well. And we finally got some of the rules for the new um, character who I like to think is a player insert, uh, which is the uh, uh, the book character the book ghost and uh i'll pull him up here on my screen but um they revealed his rules today or some of his rules yesterday and he's hilarious because he has this system where you basically pick an enemy character um in your first hero phase that you can see and basically your guys like this person deserves to die and i'm gonna make it happen and what that means is that every hero phase after that, you roll a dice. Or sorry, every one of you, my hero phases, I would roll a dice. And if I get equal to or below the turn, I just deal 2d6 mortal wounds to that hero. Fuck yeah. But it's infinite range. I don't have to see them anymore after that part. Now, the thing is, is that if that hero dies, it I have to wait until my next hero phase to pick a new character and then the hero phase after that to start rolling again but if you can get low rolls like you could just obliterate some stuff and the most hilarious thing to me is that um he gets to roll it again at the end of the game 
so there's a very explicit rule where he's like okay he rolls at the start of your hero phase and it's like okay it's turn two i roll a dice if i get a two or a one i deal 2d6 mortal wounds but a three up i don't turn three i need a three or less turn four i need a four or less turn five i need a five or less but then when the game ends just as like a final fuck you which i find hilarious he gets to roll when the game ends so when both players are like okay that's that's the end of the game i go ah not yet <laughs> i might get to kill your character <laughs> just just to be like <laughs> which i think that's just hilarious i love that <laughs> fuck balance this well it's 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 the the sad thing is that like night haunts need it to kill things like archaeon or maw crushers or pragnos like we can't kill those things <laughs> without something this absurd um but but if he dies then the ability immediately goes away and he's a night haunt character so Odds are he'll be very easy to snipe. Because um, shooting in this game is like super broken right now. Can't you just like hide him behind terrain and just like... Uh, well, you could, except most, a lot of units in the game that are shooting units um, do not uh, need line of sight to shoot. So like uh, Lumineth Realm Lords, don't need line of sight and have like a 36 inch range and mortal wound on sixes to hit. <laughs> and uh, there's like other things in the game that don't like, there's a lot of shooting that just doesn't need line of sight or it's a unit that can like teleport in the movement phase and just end up outside of nine inches and shoot you anyway from any, like, like avoiding getting shot through line of sight is basically worthless in third edition unless you're fighting like really specific armies which i hate that i hate it because it feels like there's no counter to shooting and like the worst penalty you can do is a minus one to hit and getting a minus one to hit is really hard because it's like oh if i have a character with a certain amount of wounds standing next to a unit they'll get minus one to hit but most things in the game could very easily get plus one to hit if not plus two so they'll not only like nullify my minus one but still get a plus one and it's it's bullshit it's terrible like i i honestly think shooting is the absolute worst thing in the game right now but uh anyway and, and you could see it like you go to a tournament and like the vast a, a ton of the top tables are just like shooty spam um which to me yeah, says there's see. a problem mm. like there's there's no very few armies are balanced like they're either like pure melee or pure range and there's very little overlap but mm. Anyway, so that's AOS right now. Um, things are interesting at the moment, and I, I, we're we're so close to I think the game feeling very nicely balanced. I, I think it really just revolves around them, um, introducing some point changes, uh, for a few things, and probably tweaking the Stormcast book a bit, uh, rules wise. But overall. It feels very nice, um, and I'm really hoping they introduced a really cool rule in the Fire Slayers book called Retinues. It's not a new rule, but Fire Slayers have it very standardized, which is a system where if you have infantry characters who don't have a lot of wounds, they can have a unit, uh, a nearby unit, be their bodyguard. So the unit will protect them and block wounds for them on a three plus. So it's not like perfect lookout serve, but it is a lookout serve that is actually good. Um, and I'm really hoping that's just going to be, like, standard in most books going forward. Like, I'm that Deepkin don't have that. 
But the only reason Ineth Deepkin don't have that is because they literally have an army rule that says you can only shoot the nearest Ineth Deepkin model. It's like just a faction rule, which makes them hilariously overpowered against shooting armies. Uh, which is why I net deep can like look at the shooting meta and they're like, ha, that's cute. <laughs> because they're like, ah, oh, I'll just put my character that's basically invincible in front. <laughs> because you have to shoot them. Um, but most of us can't do... Anyway, though, uh, that's it for uh, AOS for today. So we are on to the patch! So, uh, everyone rejoice, because after copious amounts of bitching <laughs> everywhere we finally have an announcement of a very major patch that's not just about stability but actually addressing a lot of the problems in the game uh, i'm gonna pull um mine up on screen here so we have the first major patch for uh total war warhammer 3 which is patch 1.1 1 .1. um and we're gonna talk about it today um it's gonna eat up a lot of today so uh nathan why don't why don't you kind of take us in on um how you want to how you want to tackle this first up and this is just me nitpicking uh i really hate them calling us commanders now when it goes with this it just feels like a mobile game commanders like, yeah good day commanders it's like no ah, it's, it's just it's just a little cringe but i i, I would i would cringe. never have noticed if you didn't say that because i just don't read the forward <laughs> like i always just skip down where there's like the actual notes <laughs> it's just one of those things that i find like grading ah whatever it's fine it, i mean it's you gotta remember i think they like we're literally this is the new um pr team that like just started yeah so they're oh, just trying uh, new things let me just pop out the chat commander all right, so um, we're just going to kind of work our way down the list um, instead of just talking randomly about it. That way we stay a little bit organized. Yeah. Um, so in the forward, uh, they basically just come right out and say that there's no news on Immortal Empires or Blood Pack yet, and they will have news once they're ready to talk about it, which is expected and fine. Uh, and they also kind of basically mean that... Um, they also do kind of mention that because they're focused right now more on getting the water out of the boat, so to speak, um, those things have maybe been just delayed a little bit. But I don't think that's a huge issue. I think getting I think getting out these patch notes is way or this patch is far more important than either yeah. the Blood Pack or Immortal Empires right now. My two cents here is they shouldn't have just uh, they shouldn't have mentioned it because it just caused a, a little bit more problems because people started complaining, like just. Don't mention Immortal Empires. Don't mention Blood Pack. Don't mention anything. Well, Just go straight in. I mean, yeah, it's it's a lose-lose. I mean, like, if they hadn't mentioned it, there was going to be a loud audience that's going to be like, well, why didn't you talk about it? And then they do mention there's going to be a large people that says, well, that's not the news I wanted to hear. I, I honestly yeah. do think it's better to be transparent and just address it and be like, hey, they're not in this patch, and, like, we'll let you know when they're ready. I think that's fine. Yeah. Uh, one second. I want to put my display capture back on. Uh, there we go. Right. Um, you want to take us to the next point, Realm of Chaos? Yeah, so they're introducing a few fixes uh, to Realms of Chaos. Uh, some of them are decent. The thing is, like, um, when it comes to it, look, you know, they're, they're re reducing the strength of the negative Realm traits by 50%, well, roughly, which is pretty good. Uh, Demon Legendary Lords will no longer be burdened by negative effects of their patron god. Should have been there since... Um, Should have been there since Vanilla. I actually, um, I actually kind of like liked that one. Um, like, I, to me, that didn't feel like a necessary change. 
just because I could always, like, because, like, gods are dicks. <laughs> but but I can understand why people felt that way. But that, that one almost kind of surprised me, because it's like, ah, I guess. But, like, I didn't really see an issue with it. Just It just makes no sense if, like, your Kogafu is favored by Nurgle and you're getting negative traits because you're, you're daddy's favorite boy, you know? I, I guess, but like, I could, I don't know. The gods are always capricious and like their favors changing. I could see them being like, ah, you're here to literally kill my gardener. Like, not cool with that. <laughs> Who's going to tend to my garden, Kugath? But anyway, uh, see you on. Uh, traits gained in the realm of chaos will now be removed when a legendary lord completes a survival battle within that realm. That's cool. Uh, that, I guess, means that if you just go into farm... Uh, through the realm of Sinesh just to get the money. You'll still have the trait, but you'll have to remove it the old-fashioned way, which I guess makes sense. Uh, this one's actually pretty good. When a player intercepts AI Lord at the Forge of Souls, their souls will now be lost, forcing them to restart their collection. That buys you a bit more time. I think that's good. Uh, no word on a proper intercept just yet, though, which is something that we desperately need. But other than that, I think that's a good change because at least it allows for more of a sandbox thing. Uh... Still would have preferred a toggle, but I'll take what I can get yeah, at this I'm, point. Well, yeah, that, that basically makes it like the Vortex campaign in the sense that you can easily just ignore the Souls race now. And then when, like, a faction's about to do the final battle, just show up, beat them, and they literally have to start all over. Yeah, but you still need a, like, without a proper intercept mechanic, it's going to be a bit of a strange thing. Because they can just sneak through still. Well, I, yeah. Uh, uh, hopefully they can add some kind of, like, uh, like they did for the Vortex campaign where it kind of shows up like a quest battle. But like worst case scenario, you can just kind of keep an eye on it for a bit. Yeah. Uh, the protection building chain now uh, can be used to prevent rifts from spawning in the province in which they're built. This is freaking great. And this should have been in vanilla from the beginning. This uh, this makes me want to play a little bit more. Yeah, this makes me want to get awesome back change. in the game. That's a yeah. fantastic change regardless of how you play the game. Like, even yeah. if you're like me and you enjoy the Chaos campaign, it's still a fantastic change because it helps, like, control where the risks are going to be. So, like, now I can dedicate... If I have a province that's, like, well-protected in my empire from, like, the AI walking to it, I don't have to force be forced to build, like, full garrisons in them anymore in the event that, like, demons spawn. Um, yeah. I could just build a single protection building in that province... And then dedicate the rest of it to like finances. Um, yeah. And if you're someone that wants to just conquer the map, literally just make sure you've got one of these in every province and like life is good. Yeah, it's it's going to be very, very useful. And lastly, the rewards from gaining souls have been improved by providing additional bonuses for a limited period of, uh, of time. We haven't seen that just yet because obviously they're just giving some basic info. But uh, some nice rewards will be good. Give us some incentive to go and actually fight the... Uh, the um, the survival battle over well or to resolve the survival battle yeah and i i so i think especially for the i think these are probably the most significant actual changes uh can like as far as like the overall um thing for me like the the grown chaos is the big takeaway of um like it it just feels like everything's going to be a lot smoother Especially in the sense that, okay, the negative traits aren't as bad, good. You don't even get any negative traits as long as you win the realm, which I think yeah. actually makes losing the realm even more of, like, an interesting risk. Because if you mm -hmm. lose, like, not only did you miss out on the soul for that run, but you also have to then deal with these negative traits for a little bit. 
which is uh which i i think is good like that just adds like a nice extra punch to it um but um uh, and then being able to like just slap the ai down if they manage to beat you in the race also great and the but the protection building i think is easily the best thing yeah great 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 mm-hmm. then we've got the supply line bug being fixed neat great awesome I mean, they did kind of claim that it was fixed in vanilla. <clears throat> Just saying. <clears throat> well, uh, I'm not worried about it. The point is, it hopefully is fixed now, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, infantry responsiveness. This one's actually really good. Um, I I did not know about this until I saw a video from, I think, um, Durkovich on it, uh, which is that the Warhammer 3 base build has kind of a weird thing where when they uh when you like click on a unit and you tell them to do something especially like turn around the unit would take way longer to do it in warhammer 3 than it would in the prior two games um because for some reason like there's like if you play the game right now um there's like a weird delay whenever you tell a unit to do anything which yeah. is why a lot of people are getting that weird feeling of like clicking on a unit and telling them to flee from combat. And then they just kind of don't. And you're like, what is happening? Or you're like spamming the click to actually get them to flee. The reason that's happening is because for whatever reason, um, the units in Warhammer three have a delayed response time. So like if you click on an order, there's like an almost full second before before they'll start doing it and they also tend to like trickle as opposed to the entire unit being like immediately follows the order and moves together um right now it's more of a like delay and then they kind of like move in a wave um so i i think fixing it to where it's like the warhammer 2 level is much preferred like i i don't know if that was intentional for like a particular feel or if it just kind of like was something that was in there and just sort of slipped through. Um, but I, I definitely think having it consistent with the prior two games and what we've gotten used to is the, the right decision. And then last is, uh, well, not last, but next is uh, factions for this is I think this is more like multiplayer um, than anything. But of course, it probably will have a little bit of an impact on single player. Um, yeah but we don't we don't have any like specific info um in this they're basically just saying like ogres are getting debuffed Cathay is getting buffed Kislev is getting slightly buffed nurgle is getting slightly buffed and then slanesh and corn aren't going to do anything yet well with Cathay, they're kind of radically changing domination mode because they're now increasing the size of all starting armies in domination oh, so yeah. everything that people have played um now this is going to be like a new version of it so people are going to get thrown off um the thing is yeah cafe is under is an underperformer but that's because harmony is their main thing so when creating domination mode they should have taken into account that harmony was going to be a big factor when it comes to that oh yeah well and i'm uh i'm glad that like you know it's one of those things where you just have to have people playing to really get a good feel on like what is happening and be able to go okay what do we do to fix this but i like i've i've been watching a ton of multiplayer tournaments like pretty much every time turn does a tournament i'm, I'm watching 
And um, something that I've seen consistently said by everyone playing or streaming it has been like, the mode is fun, but the starting armies are too small. Like, no matter what faction you're playing, it just doesn't feel that great. Yeah. Uh, because the starting armies are so small, it's it's just kind of more of like a skirmish um, as opposed to feeling like an actual battle. So I think making, taking the points that they have for domination mode and making it a better split so that the starting armies are larger. Um, I don't know exactly what the split's going to be because right now it's more, I think it's like 40-60. Um, so maybe having it like 50-50 uh, or 60-40 um, for your starting army, I, I think it's going to do a lot better as far as like, okay, while you're waiting for those objectives to open, because the objectives take like about, I think it's like two minutes to open, um, that allows you to have much more of an actual battle with limited reinforcements coming in. Um, yeah. As opposed to right now, it's more like a skirmish where like you're kind of poking at each other, but you also need to like not be too fighty so that you can still have stuff to like grab objectives. So you can actually uh, like start getting summons and everything. Uh, so I, I think it's a good change, but I, uh, I, I am looking forward to when we get specific patch notes. Um, I'm really curious what they're going to do for Cathay overall. Because uh, I imagine it's not just going to be like the domination thing. I imagine they're also going to get some pretty significant because they're they're way behind on yeah. uh, the looking at the the matchmaking system. So I imagine they're going to get some pretty significant buffs. Oh yeah, someone pointed out like Zinch isn't even on the bullet points. <laughs> that's really yeah, funny, actually. They, uh, they yeah, Zinch. That's fine. I I would be shocked if Zinch is not getting a nerf to his barrier system. Um. Like, his barrier system is way... Like, even in single-player, I find it annoying to go up against, uh, much less multiplayer. So I, I imagine they've got to be tuning that down a little bit. Like, it doesn't necessarily need to be, like, hard... Like, I don't think the amount needs to go down or anything, but, like, maybe it takes longer to recharge, or maybe, like, it's less good... Like, I don't know. But, like, they got to do something to it. I think it's just too strong right now. Is a bit more context would be useful because, like, if you go to Nurgle, they say here we are also concerned that, that the slowness of most Nurgle units makes them vulnerable to larger armies with ranged firepower. It's like, well, yeah, you it's it's a slow army, honestly. What I think they should do, um, it so here's here's something I think is really interesting, and I'm curious if you agree with this. I'm gonna minimize this so I can see our faces for a minute. So, my thing with Nurgle, um, that I think is really really hurting him, and I don't think this affects most armies. But with Nurgle, I think it's very poignant, is that the biggest difference, in my opinion, the absolute most major difference between tabletop and Total War is that the shooting is real time. So it's so much more devastating than it ever was in tabletop. Mm. And so, like, when you have an army like Nurgle that's really slow, in tabletop that wasn't a really big deal because... Like, sure, you were slow, but they could only shoot at you, you know, at most six times. It's probably less than that, because once you got into combat, you couldn't be shot at. In this game, that's not the case. So, honestly, what I think just needs to happen for Nurgle is I think they should just upgrade Cloud of Flies to where it gives you, like, significant melee res or, uh, missile resistance. Yeah. Just be like, oh, Nur all Nurgle units with Cloud of Flies get 30% missile resist. Mm. There, done. <laughs> like, I... Because I think that's really Nurgle's only problem. I, I don't think, like, his slowness is a big deal as far as being outmaneuvered. 
I think his slowness is a problem that he's getting the shit shot out of him before he can get into combat. Yeah. And also, he has no anti-large, which is weird. Like, literally nothing. Like, just, Jesus, pick a unit and give it anti-large. <laughs> yeah, literally chaos warriors with halberds. That's all they need. Yeah, or just like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't need, I don't care where it goes. It just needs to be somewhere. It's weird having, like, a critical mechanic like that just not existing. Um... All right, so bug fixes. Uh, just gonna pop over these real quick. A lot of them are actually to do with a couple of them to do with the prologue, but mm -hmm. uh, they they are trying to fix the alt tab crash fix, uh, which is actually going to you should have its availability uh, next week according to this. So this week, because uh, this is part of the I think the patch zero point eight point six or something like that. Uh, so that's actually the patch that'll be coming out this upcoming week. They uh, also fix some um, Slanesh stuff. Um, Bellicor, they fixed an error, which, like, ooh, great. Because, <laughs> like, anybody uses Bellicor. <laughs> um, crash fixes. Uh, oh, I really like this change. I really, really like this change. It's considered a bug fix, but I love this. Is that, because uh, it's a bug fix because this is how it should be working, but I'm really glad to see this, is that if you get a corrupted by trait, so for anyone that's not aware, corrupted by trait is like if you're in an area with too much chaos corruption, you'll get a trait that's like corrupted by zinch or whatever. Um, it'll now get removed as it should when you're hanging out in any province that has like low corruption or high uncorrupted. Because um, right now, if you get those traits, it's basically permanent. And those traits are like, they're a bitch. Like, they're, like some, some of them are not awful because they give you like a buff and a debuff so it's like oh you generate scaven corruption maybe your leadership is worse but you like this other stat goes up so they're not the worst thing but it i you know it's good to see that fix come back in yeah and I mean, so far it's all right yeah oh and of course probably the most exciting announcement mod workshops coming out yeah that's great that's awesome. going to help out a lot. I've already been speaking to a bunch of modders uh, directly who've got great ideas, who've got great plans, who are going to fix up some very obvious issues with, say, Sinesh, very obvious issues with Nurgle. Um, this is something that we've been waiting for for a while because while I know a lot of people aren't too keen on mods and so on, um, that, let's be honest, longativity for the game was held because of mods for Warhammer 2. Yeah, yeah mod, mods, are a, mods are a critical... Part. Like even if you don't use them, like it's it's silly to suggest that they're not a critical part of the game's infrastructure and um, lifeline. Yeah. So uh, that that coming out because it, I mean, it just opens up like you go from oh I could put a good amount of hours into this campaign to I can literally now put an infinite number of hours because I can literally change how all of this stuff works. Yeah. Uh. So uh, that's of course super duper exciting. Uh. And then they uh, briefly talk about what's coming after 1.1, which is just that they're basically going to be working on uh, putting out a couple more patches to fix some things. And then, of course, do a lot of... Um, uh, okay, so this is actually very exciting news, um, is that they are officially announcing that they're going to be doing major patch updates between all of the key DLC releases which they did not do in the Warhammer 2. That is great news. That's I don't care who you are. That is awesome 
awesome news? In a few ways, yes. In a few ways, it raises some questions. Uh, because obviously, my concern is obviously DLC has been, uh, for the end of Warhammer 2, was uh, quite distant. So does this mean that we're going to have that same distance between DLC? The fact is also they say, didn't they say we're aiming to have patches in between DLC? Uh, aiming means nothing to me. Aiming means, like, aiming is a British term to say, oh, maybe. So, like, I'm aiming to quit smoking. I'm aiming to do this. I need confirmation. Aiming means nothing. It's a British term. It means nothing. Uh... The, so the wording is, uh, we're looking to raise our game above Warhammer 2 by introducing major patch updates between our key DLC releases, allowing us to address bugs, balance concerns, and other adjustments on quicker cadence than previous games. All of this is aimed at establishing a more reliable cadence of releases once we've established a strong foundation for the game in its future. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Like, I, well, to me, it doesn't really matter. Like, if they come out and they're like, hey... There's going to be a balance patch between DLC 1 and 2 because they're like two, three months apart. So we're going to slide a balance patch in there. But between DLC 2 and 3, there won't be one because there's like not enough time to fit a balance patch. Okay, grind. What do I care? Yeah. It's fine. Uh, as long like as everything comes out in a, uh, in a quick manner, because the problem is that sometimes DLC does come out and break some other stuff and... You know, it's it's just it can get a little frustrating. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, it, it's just the nature of like the just the just the size of the damn thing. Mm. Um, be a lot easier if the game was a lot smaller. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I am excited that they're they're at least talking about it as like a viable option that is planned to be happening because in Warhammer Two it wasn't even like oh we we might put out a patch. It was no patches come out with content updates. Which was a horrible system. I hated it. Yeah, because yeah. it it made those long gaps really bad. Because not only were we like, oh, you know, where's the next content thing, which is whatever, but it meant that when a, there was like a really problematic bug or something, it just wouldn't get fixed. Um, I don't expect them to put a patch between every single content update, but I do expect them to hopefully be like, oh, hey. Our DLC caused a major bug here, or this unit we put in is really overpowered or really underpowered. Here's a patch. Um, and that's great. That's awesome. Because it, it it practically was like a company policy during Warhammer 2. Do not update the game outside of major releases. And I think that really hurt the game. Um, not like awfully, but it, it could be like just like, ooh, sometimes. Where you just have to be like, all right, there's this thing you just can't do or can't use until the next DLC comes out in six months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. And then beyond that, uh, they talk a little bit about the roadmap uh, and say that, hey, it'll get here when it gets here. Um, especially because they're kind of poor in reaction time at the moment, trying to get Warhammer 3 to be in a good place. And then uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it, it all sounds quite exciting and so on. Um, obviously, it's a little bit different because uh, th there's a few things, right? And it, it's uh, I'm not saying anything bad against uh, Creative Assembly, but some of these patches could have been, some of these bug fixes could have been fixed with a hotfix. Um, 
because I know some models who fixed it within a few hours. And obviously, it's a bit different for Creative Assembly because well, it that, yeah, that's that's never higher a fair up and so on. Never yes. a fair comparison. Yes, but but the fact is, this is a month uh, after. This is a month after. We're not going to get what this patch until the, what did they say in the last blog? Like early April. Uh, that's a month and a half. That's a long time, man. That's a long time. And my, my concern is literally just that. It is a long distance. Like, it's I, just... I, I, I'm not bothered by it. Um, like, I... Uh, I don't know. In me, for me at least, like, in terms of, like, game development, especially with, like, a pretty substantial amount of fixes, which this has in it, and we don't, we don't know what all's in the patch. Like, mm. these are literally just large bullet points. There's going to be a significant uh, uh, increase and what's in it once we get the actual nitty gritty notes um yeah. like uh, to me it, it it if anything it feels fast um yeah. for for the si now i'm not i'm not disagreeing in the sense that like the, if they wanted to do like a small hot fix maybe they could have got some of this out like earlier but um i i don't have an issue with our current timetable no it's just a month and a half is a long time for me at least you know uh and i just feel it because maybe and this is just me thinking of it maybe it's just we're getting reaction now uh and information now which is great don't get me wrong but why did we have to all get angry and post in the forums and post in the reddits to get a reaction i i don't think we needed to like i i don't i don't actually think that's what led to this like i think it's just a matter of they trying to get sorted and get into a position where they go okay this is what we're going to be doing and this is our plan to go forward and it got it got that to us when they were ready to talk about it i i don't think i honestly do not think that ca ever makes like a brand move um due to outrage like i think like constructive posts and like pointing out like hey this is a problem this is a problem like people do on reddit and the forums and stuff that definitely helps them be like okay we need to focus here but i don't think like the idea of being like Arrgh! like you know slamming on keyboard i don't think that ever does anything i mean it's proven to do stuff because if we look at the sisters of uh sisters of silence uh sisters of silence what uh the silence of the fury uh, no wait no fuck me uh sisters of twilight <laughs> uh, sisters of twilight why was i thinking of those things right um like that only got fixed because the community got loud if not creative assembly would have just been oh that's done let's let's, let's shelve it and that's it uh yeah but i think there's a there's a notable difference, I think, between what's going on these days and like being loud. Um, of that, I, I feel there's a, I feel that things lately have been very um, hostile <laughs> in a lot of places, um, uh, almost to kind of a grotesque extent. Um, and it's like I don't think that helps at all, especially yeah. like. Like, I mean, if, if you want to get, like, honestly, my opinion, like, uh, to be frank, I think the reason the Sister of the Twilight, or the Twilight, uh, and the, uh, Twisted in the Twilight, that's what it is, um, got fixed, like, as fast as it did, and is literally because, like, YouTubers, like, Mandalore make videos on it and go, hey, this is a problem, fix these problems, and literally those are the problems that got fixed. 
I don't think it was people like ranting and raving on the forums. I think it's literally content creators being like, hey, this is a problem. You should do this instead. And see it going, oh, yeah, we could probably do that. Well, the issue is that uh, <clears throat> you, you say that, yeah. And yeah, that's fine. Uh, you get a big YouTuber like Mandalore and he complains and then, yeah, and all that. There's issues that were highlighted prior and that was like... Uh, like for example, uh, Legends talked about it, and so I was like, "Well, this is an issue I highlighted in early access. Nothing. It's it's becoming more vocal now because obviously a lot of people are just saying, well, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. This doesn't work.' Uh, it, it's just a thing that's just it's happening a lot, and uh, it's just kind of tiring, man. Like I just want things to get fixed up as soon as possible. And obviously, yes, I know this does take time, but." Uh, You've seen the player numbers, man. You've seen the player numbers. It's, well, it's, yeah, I have, but I mean, I, I, I just don't think that's something worth worrying about right now. Um, like maybe when, like the, it's this is just kind of one of those games that has to build steam. It's never been their strong suit to release something that like hits the ground running, and uh, like makes like a really good, you know, ascension up. Usually, we hit the ground. And there's like a spike right at the beginning because everyone's super excited. And then it's basically nobody except the hardcore people. And then the yeah. game builds up steam progressively. And we're, that's just how it goes. And I, yeah, I, no, I, no. I, I think expecting anything but that, you're just screwing yourself. Like, I think that's just ridiculous expectations at this point. Fair, fair. But I, like, say, for example, look, and I say this out of love for Creative Assembly and so on, because I think they're, they're good people and all that. And, you know, the games, if, if I didn't like them, I wouldn't be covering them. Every Total War game launches like crap. And I think that um, it shouldn't happen, right? And a lot of people will use like the whole thing about, oh yeah, the pandemic and so on, which could have been a factor. But for loads of other Total War games that were pre-pandemic, it's happened the same thing. Is this not the point where games should be uh, like tested enough to make sure that these things aren't happening? And I like... I get it, yeah, release times and having to release by the end of the fiscal year so they can actually justify the next marketing budget for whatever the fuck they might be working on next and all that. That's all cool. I worked in marketing. I know what that means. But I'm just kind of tired of shitty releases, man. I am. I well, am tired of shitty releases. I mean, my, my, my counter to that would be we would, if you would want perfect releases, we would have to let them have the time and to make perfect releases which they just don't creative assembly reaches a major game literally every year like maybe that should stop well maybe it should but like that's kind of just i just don't really see that as something that like is even i don't even know if that's within their control at a certain extent like I, when you think about like how sega mixes into everything and how like whatever their internal structure is and who's calling the shots on stuff like that's that's such a high reaching um up there thing yeah that it it, it, it to me it's just it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like if it really bothers you to such an extent like i feel like at that point you're kind of needing to be more in an area of like okay i'm just not going to touch these games when they come out and check them out like 6 months later um, which is, I mean, that's a valid thing to do. I mean, that's that. There's a lot of gaming companies that do that. There are plenty of games. Like, it's not like Creative Assembly. Like, it it is far, far more rare right now for a game studio to release a game that is great at launch than it 
the other way. Like the vast majority of games are not great at launch. And that's a fucking flawed system. Yes, again, we can take the pandemic into account and all that because yes, I work in yeah, healthcare. That, that's a, that's an that industry shit. problem. That's not like that's not a CA problem. That's an industry wide yeah. problem. And that's the issue because people seem to allow it. That's why we had that issue with Cyberpunk. That's why we have the issue with pretty much anything else that drops. And it becomes a massive issue. But the fact of the matter is you'd, you'd expect to be better. Like people take time off to play these games because they, they're excited. You know, they've got loads of people hyping them up and so on. I took fucking time off from my fucking job. I took a sabbatical so I could do, uh, so I could do like, like my videos and stuff like that. That's unfucking paid leave, man. That's unfucking paid leave. And I thought things were going to go well. And then shit goes down. Yeah. It I'm, tires listen, me, man. I get that. I get that. But like, we're, we're kind of in that thing where like, it's a pattern and it's, don't get me wrong. It's a shitty pattern, but like the only way that would change is you'd have to have a, a, industry-wide movement of consumers like not pre-ordering not buying games until they're like done done and a number of games are gonna die to make a point of people being like i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna play this but like it's the thing is is that like i understand your frustration but like it's it's i i feel that it's just kind of like a it's an understandable thing to be frustrated about, but I also feel like speaking as someone that has anxiety and just has to deal with, I, I think we both do, but like, uh, you know, you can't worry about things that you can't control. And this is just one of those things that you can't control because like someone like me, I'm totally fine with the way total war warhammer three came out like launch day. I've had a blast today i'm still having a blast i'm excited for these changes but like like i i i am not one of those people that looked at this and went okay i've played total war warhammer 3 and i like set aside a whole bunch of bunch of time for this and i'm super pissed that it's shit like i would not have said that at all i would have said this is great i'm loving this this is fun i'm still having a great time with it but like i can understand where you're coming from but I also feel like, how do I say this? I feel like this is kind of in the ballpark of being like such a wishful thought that it's just like, it's just out in the, like past the moon and the stars. You know what I mean? I get that. I get that. But is it so hard for me to look at uh, creative assembly who are established as one you know, one of, if not the biggest game developer in the United Kingdom, and expect a decent release. Like, I, I, I have some issues trying to go into the game and play. Like, I can for my, uh, my breakdown videos and so on. But, like, if I look at, uh, if I compare it to, say, Warhammer 2, where, yes, the release was a bit crap, but I could really log in and I could chill and I could play and I could have my Skaven fuckery or play with my Dark Elves. And I felt like there was more to do. There's just so things like, I, I, I don't know. Again, I am referencing the thing of the uh, pandemic because yes, that was a real thing. But I feel like the game didn't get tested enough to warrant the release coming out. 
at least that's my thought because there's loads of issues which a lot of people, a lot of Total War fans are looking at it going, what the fuck is this? No, I, I agree that the game could have used more time in the oven. I, I don't think that was a... Unfortunately, I just don't think that was an option as far as there are people who are... Whoever calls the shots is not a developer. You know, it's not someone who's down there going, hey, we've oh, got yeah. like... We got like this sheet of stuff we got to deal with. And like, and I think that's the most important thing to have about the discussion is there are higher ups yeah. um, who are making God shit awful decisions. Like, yeah. and it, 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 like, and it's, it's, I think the most important thing to do in this conversation is to really separate those two teams of that devs that are like trying their damnedest, uh, yeah. working within these constrictors by really, really shitty, like, I mean, and that's, we know, that's literally everywhere right now. Like, you look yeah. at something like Bethesda, which is just like, and like Cyberpunk. Like, you have upper people saying, this game has to come out now. Like, we, we need the money now. And it's like, not ready. <laughs> um, you know, that's almost kind of why I think indie studios tend to be better, is that a lot of the time they're like, hey, we need like X amount of money to make this game. And then they're just like, hey, like, we're still working on it and all this stuff. And they tend to release a much more polished product. Um, but they also don't have these like contractual overlords that are like, this game is coming out on X date. And if you can't make that happen, you don't get a job, <laughs> you know? Um, um, I fully agree with everything you're saying on that. Um, I guess my, my question is, I, I don't, I don't know where you're wanting to go with that is, is my right. question. The thing is, we started, like, th this is something that we, we've already talked about, right? Total War release a game once a year, right? Could they not make a lot more money if they released a solid project, which people would then be ranting and raving about rather than just shitting it down on reviews and so on, which obviously happens because the release uh, ends up being kind of shit, let's be honest, and just a little bit of a distance. You don't have to release a game a year. Because you make a lot of money. It's proof that, for example, Warhammer 3 made a lot of money. It's proof that Warhammer 2 made a lot of money. Rome 2, we can see those numbers on Steam. We can't see it on Epic. We can't see it on any other platforms. But we do see that they do make money. And people come back for DLCs and so on. But you could have more audience retention, which will then lead to more sales, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's 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 great. But like, what I'm asking is, like, what... What are you wanting to happen here? Like, are you are you coming at this from the angle of, like... You're making an announcement that we should like be putting pressure somewhere to like I that's that's where I'm I'm trying to get to. Like where pressure's not, pressure's not gonna work. Cause uh one fault that C uh that CA has is when people get angry, CA go dark. It's usually the case. Cause I don't know, maybe that's just the thing. It happens with a lot of people with anxiety. Maybe they everyone at CA has anxiety or something. Um but it, it does happen a lot. They go dark. And yes, they do start working on stuff and so on. But I'm just saying, it just, something needs to change, man. A release a year is not going to work. What happens when a new historical game comes out? Let's just say Medieval 3 comes out next year or whatever. Is it going to be another dog shit release? Because that just makes me want to stop playing. And the problem is that I, I, I do love these games, right? I do love these games. But I want things to work. Is it so hard for me to say I want these games to work? Is it so hard for someone who's paid £60, which is a lot of money, especially with given this climate where everything is stupid expensive? Paying 60 quid 
is not going to be easy for a lot of average people at this point. Is it so hard to say, work? Just work. We just want the game to work. It doesn't matter if we have to wait. It just needs to work. I don't mind waiting. People will be very pissed off. Yes, oh yeah, we're delaying the game. Ignore those people because then those are the same people who start bitching on the forum saying, oh, I, I can't believe they didn't delay. Because that's what they're always going to do. I, I completely understand what you're saying. I agree with the vast majority of what you're saying. But I also cannot help but feel that it's just kind of... I, I think it's an important point to just kind of like talk about when you can but i also feel that a we're definitely going in circles and oh, yeah. and and b the only people that have the power in this the only people who get to make this decision are these very high up people who never interact with the community we don't even we don't know their names we don't know who the fuck these people are and they have all these, they have all the power of deciding when this is going to happen. I don't, I, I totally agree and think it's great that every once in a while, it's good to say, hey, CA, if you're listening, just as a reminder, like, take your time on releases, guys. But at the same time, like, I'm just thinking about to earlier in our conversation, like, we literally have a conversation earlier where we're, the messaging is, God, I really hope like there's not a whole bunch of time between DLCs because that's so fucking miserable, which is completely opposite to what we're saying now. Like, no, no, no. The reason why I hope there's no big time before D between DLCs is because that meant like there was just issues all around. Because they can say a patch is like again, that's the whole thing. We're aiming to release a patch between DLC. Great. Aiming to me still means nothing until I see it happen. Because aiming is just, like I said, it's a typical British phrase. Well, okay, but, like, that's that's not really a fair thing. Because, like, you're working on a hypothetical here. And, like, <laughs> like I, I I get that's cool. That's kind of like a British thing. But, like, that that's a mean... It's, I, I love you. But I feel, like that, I feel like that's a meaningless, like, dart to throw at the board. No, no. Because, like, remember, uh, when they started doing the announcements and the... Uh, uh, not the early access, but the... Uh, the footage and the uh, the blogs and all that for Warhammer 3, right? Oh, we're going to see the ogres very soon, right? Oh, no, the pre-order very, very soon. That's what they said. And that was like, what, four months later? Fuck me, man, is that soon? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, something can be said and then be completely different. And that, that's what throws me off. It's like, oh, we're aiming for this. And it's like, what? No, it's, it's not the same thing. It, it might be a bit difficult uh, for those who aren't... Uh, used to the god-awful way that a lot of British things are said, but very soon, and that, very different. This is why I just get a bit odd with it, yeah? It's just, it's because I've grown up with it, and that's why I get a bit anxious about it. Yeah. I, I think just ultimately, um, I think ultimately, there's, there's not really much we can do as far as like this conversation because i think we're just kind of in two very different mindsets on it um which that's totally fine <laughs> you know it's whatever um uh, someone someone in chat i think uh put it a good way of that i i think we're kind of in a sphere of like i think 
I'm in the camp of what's happened has happened and I've I'm moved on. I don't care. Like we're let's just let's just get where we're going. And I I think a lot of people are still in the 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 camp of this was really fucking dumb and still mad about it. And those are two very different camps. Um I think both camps are valid. I, I like I think your feelings on the issue are extremely valid. Um but I, I don't think there's really anything we can uh evaluate or like expand upon further as far as these points uh and that i think you got a lot of great points and you know it's kind of it is what it is and uh i mean unless you got more to add i think we might as well just kind of move on yeah let's move on all right uh uh what is next we've got okay uh this might actually be relevant uh do, uh you're 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 headlining on this wait i need a because i can't like go on the discord uh i need it i need to sort out my fed screen <laughs> <laughs> everything is broken at the moment i've been moving around uh the tables basically i tried to redo my my office and the cat decided to swan dive off the off the ledge everything's been moved i mean i don't know why he started doing that but uh <laughs> Your, your cats worry me. <laughs> he's very strange. He's very strange. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. So there has been a talk about, because um, this is something that's been coming up uh, lately about a um, a YouTuber's union. Um, not a lot of talk has been happening. It's just been uh, mentioned by, um, by a lot of creators and so on as a... Um, as a, as a way to establish better communication with CA and so on. And, you know, I don't know what they're trying to do with this type of stuff. Uh, I'll be very, very honest with you. Uh, the experience that I have with uh, established unions down here in Gibraltar and so on makes me a little hesitant uh, because they just don't work here. They don't work at all. Uh, but obviously that's uh, given uh, Gibraltar itself. It could be a good way to uh, establish communication with devs and all that. I, I think that um, the thing is, a lot of these content creators, and this is something that I see a lot nowadays, uh, they just want the game to be good. They obviously, they put a lot of time, their own time and effort into their channels, which pushes the um, uh, the game and all that. So that, that it, it's a very strange thing because, yeah, I'm seeing it here, like an informal union. Uh, someone just said that on the chat. I see that it could be done very, very well to establish communication with devs and all that, but I don't know what exactly that could do to fix things. I'm, I'm going to be honest. To me, it sounds very bizarre. Uh, like, I, I, I can understand a lot of the... So... For anyone that's like not been kind of keeping up with events and uh, pr what's kind of led to this is that Warhammer 3 was in a really unique position can probably compare to anything else that we've done where us content creators had access to the game very early um, compared to prior releases. Um, it was like a full month, if not more than that. Um, and because of that, we had the ability to basically be like pseudo beta testers 
in the sense of there was literally a direct place where we could post feedback and um like discuss it and try and get like some things in the game fixed or changed and there was there has been um a large amount of frustration um especially from like legend of total war who felt that even though we had this um access um and were submitting feedback like nothing happened um well which i don't know if i would say nothing happened but a lot of the changes that pro like legend for instance feels should have been made in light of the fact that we were um essentially playtesting uh didn't and once again i i can i can understand his frustrations um but i don't think that this union idea makes sense as a solution because i don't see how it would have changed literally anything uh, no, but we didn't get enough time to properly test anything anyway. Well, no, but we're not testers. Like, <laughs> that's not our yeah. job. We shouldn't be testing. Well, it's, uh, it's it, nothing there is our job generally. We're just yeah, like uh, CA. Hopefully CA should be paying people who are beta testers because that is a job. <laughs> that's not, that shouldn't be a hobby. That should be like a paid position at a company. Uh, but uh, it's, it's just become... Uh... <laughs> it, 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 it's it, it's a strange thing like when it comes to because uh, I see here someone saying use your collective power if you all boycotted something it would stop lots of advertising for them and that's what unions do strike that won't work that won't work we are replaceable we are replaceable we're replaceable we and I, I don't think like getting all the content creators to agree on it like anything no that's not happening like I listen I love y'all chat I love you, Nathan, but, like, if someone came to me and they were like, hey, the Total War Warhammer 3 release was so bad that we're going to boycott the next DLC, are you in? I would say, no, that's ridiculous. Like, because I don't feel that way. I don't feel the release was that bad. Like, uh, I can I can understand the frustrations with it, but I have greatly enjoyed the game and have continued to support uh, your, it. Your, your mic died. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, my... I fucking hate this mouse. Like, I talk with push to talk, and this mouse is wireless, so, like, sometimes it just disconnects. But anyway, uh, it's stupid. Uh, I, I need to replace it. But it's like, I don't, uh, like, the only the only way I could see a union, someone in the, someone thinking that it would be worth the time is the idea of using, like, the content creator, like, advertising slash bargaining power to try and, like, affect something. But it's like, there's two problems. A, the vast majority of us are never going to agree on anything. And B, like, this is, for a lot of us, like me, this is my job. And this is what I do to make money so I can eat and live. Is I make content about stuff like this. And CA also pays a lot of content creators to just play the game. Who are not involved with any of us. And are significantly larger than any of us. Unlike Twitch and stuff. You think they give a fuck? No, of course they don't. Yeah. Like, like that. It's it's such a pointless, absolutely pointless idea. I do think that they could do something to keep the creators a bit more uh, united. Uh, because, in all fairness, a lot of us uh, creators should be a bit more united on fronts. Like, uh, especially when presenting bugs and so on, we should do it as a team. 
because uh, it is uh, useful. Because obviously, whatever ha is happening in that beta team, uh, a lot of stuff didn't really get tested too well. Obviously, again, I'm taking into account everything with the pandemic and all that. Oh, because, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure if we knew what their beta situation was, it would not be impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, but, but um, I will say, I will say to be fair, uh, like beta testing is not easy, and Total War games are so fucking gigantic. I can't even imagine what a nightmare that is. Uh, but uh, like that's the thing. I I would like to see. Um, I I don't know what uh some people may have planned and so on. I think that would be, uh, if it works. I mean, that's great. Uh, I'm, I'm open know. to the idea. I just I just don't yeah. understand how it would work. I, I will say though that Maybe a lot of stupid. Yeah, but I, I I do see the point. Like a lot of creators, um, a lot of creators would screw each other over for the purpose of getting ahead. Because I've seen this happen in more, in different uh, communities. Yeah, and, yeah like, and so on. I'm not gonna name names, but I can easily think of a few that like if there, you know, what what are they called when there's a strike? A person that like goes behind the strike and like cuts the line or whatever. Um, there's there's a word for them, but uh, like. <laughs> there would be like a ton of those. <laughs> I feel I can't remember that word actually. Uh, scab, scab. Everyone's saying. Oh yeah, yeah. Scab. There would be there would be so many <laughs> because of anything. It would just be like a like if anything, it would just make it more lucrative because you'd be the only content creator covering something like really exciting while the rest of them aren't doing it. Like, are you kidding? <laughs> like that would be if anything that would incentivize a lot of people. But I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's something that obviously is a, a possible factor. I mean, I don't know too much about the Total War uh, YouTubers because mainly I just the ones I speak to are my friends like yourself and so on, and we just chill. Uh, but like I follow drama going on around on like say for example the Warcraft community and all that because uh, I mean it's just so ridiculous you kind of just can't stop looking at it because it's like watching a car crash. Um, but it's it's possible. It's possible. A lot of them. A lot of creators will willingly fuck each other over and it's uh it's kind of sad maybe because i see this as a because obviously this is a this is just like a part-time thing for me at the moment um like uh i, I quite like working my normal job and i quite like having a, a stable paycheck uh but i, I see it like it, it, if it works i mean great uh i am I am just one of these people who are just like, uh, shit, shit can go south. CA can easily just replace everyone. I mean, we saw it with, uh, with the marketing. How many, like you said, a lot of big names just randomly appeared. A lot of people uh, I'd never seen before. Hell, the marketing itself wasn't run too well. I had a, one of these distribution companies contact me. I shit you not. An email was, oh, we see that you like playing Warhammer games. You might be interested in Total War Warhammer 3. I was already releasing Total War Warhammer 3 content. Oh, yeah, well, that's just some stupid ass advertising company like that sends out just like for all we know that could have just been like it's probably one of those kinds of emails where they're just like mass sending it to like everyone that might even be remotely relevant yeah but it's like well you could do your fucking research considering that i've already been dropping content for about two weeks <laughs> they don't do research they just they just shotgun <laughs> out in space and see what they hit um but um yeah i i am curious to see where it goes i will say that um mm. As long as it like, as long as people get what they want and uh, like everything gets uh, <clears throat> like as long as everything works out for the better of everything. That's my main thing. As long as everything works out for the better of everything, 
we never know. You never know. Uh, I, I just want the game to do well. Look, a lot of people see me as quite negative about this stuff. I love Creative Assembly. I do. I wouldn't be devoting so much time if I didn't, right? There's no point playing a game you hate because what the fuck is the point? What are you doing with your fucking life if that's the case, right? <laughs> I... I agree with you logically, but I feel like there are so many people that fall under that umbrella. <laughs> fucking sad. It is fucking sad. I want to play. I want to have fun, man. You know what? You know what? I can't wait for when, like, uh, when the uh, like when the patch drops and all that, and we get like modding tools if it comes out proper and so on. I, I I'm so hyped for that. Like I was like, oh god, man! I'll, not only that, but I'll get to play again proper. Uh, we won't have the issue with unstable mods because. Uh, Right now, mods are kind of unstable. Uh, people are making them, but like you know, without a proper workshop, it's very hard to keep stuff updated, and then you delete files, and it can become an issue, and all that type of stuff. So I am going to like I am really happy, and I've spoken to some modders who are like, "Oh, we're gonna do this with this and this." I was like, "Oh man, that sounds fucking cool!" Like I am super happy. I'm hyped up for Warhammer again, but when it comes out. Like, until then, I'm keeping my expectations because you never know. Shit can happen. Shit can break again. But I, uh, I, it's because I love the game. I love the series. They brought back something that was dead, essentially, for what? Five, six, seven years? When did we have the end times? It's been a while. Uh, 2011? Fuck me. It's been that long. 2012? God. ballpark. Yeah, so like I I, I want to see um, they brought back something which means a lot to me. Like this is something I never imagined in my wildest dreams. I just want shit to work, man. You know that's the thing. I don't say my negative stuff because I hate it. Because if I hated it, I just wouldn't be playing it. But you know? Oh yeah, I get I get you. You've been <laughs> you've been uh, you've been very uh, expressive on that point. It's very important. A lot of people take my criticism as a, a, a as something else, and I fucking hate when that happens. Don't misquote me. This is what happens a lot. People go, eh, "Great book hates this." It's like, no, no, never, never. I hated it. I'd say I fucking hate it. <laughs> I have no problem being King of things we hate and the end times, which are totally unrelated. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> uh, we do actually have a who would win for today. Um, which this one is actually, uh, interesting because I don't know why I haven't thought of this one. Uh, Nathan, Nathan suggested it and I think it's a great matchup. Um, so <laughs> for, for today, um, on the subject of the end times, we're doing a, what if who would win? What would have happened if Balthazar Gelt actually had gotten a fair fight against Manfred von Karstein? What? would have happened nathan why don't you run us through manfred the books or gel i don't know pick one <laughs> whichever one you want yeah i'm just getting all the books because i've been moving everything and everything's a fucking shit show at the moment right uh so shit i hate the Right, we're going to look at uh, Balthasar Gelt, obviously uh, a very big name, very big meme in the Total War Warhammer community. He is the Supreme Patriarch of the Colleges of Magic. Uh, a rather interesting character because he's not actually Imperial as far as we are aware. He just kind of showed up. He's 100% and... not Imperial. Yeah. 
We don't know exactly what he is. Uh, I don't think anyone's seen him without his mask. Uh, they knew they did before the accident, but no one has seen it since the accident. Yeah. Actually, okay. I'll rephrase. Nobody's seen his skin since the accident. Like, he always wears, like, robes and a mask and everything. He's fully covered up. Yeah. So he's a very uh, very powerful spellcaster in the lore of metal, co uh, constantly known as a lore master. <laughs> um, he is one of these characters which is very mysterious. Uh, a lot of people don't really know too much about him. There's a lot of uh, running rumors and all that type of stuff. The character himself is, uh, he demands a great deal of respect especially leading the Colleges of Magic nowadays, because uh, he took over from... The last Patriarch was the uh, a Fire Wizard, wasn't it? Yep, Thyrus Gorman. Yeah. Uh, the character himself rides atop of a Imperial Griffin, which the Griffin did have a name, didn't it? Uh, what, Gorman? Gormans? No, 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 Gelt's. Oh, uh, Gelt rides a Pegasus uh, name. Pegasus, Pegasus. Uh, Quicksilver. Quicksilver, yeah. Um... He's known to carry a few different items with him, like, for example, the uh, Amulet of Seagold, which gives him increased magical resistance. Uh, I think it's stronger with the more wizards on, on play, isn't it? Yeah it's, it's essentially, yeah, it's essentially like a magical artifact that reacts to how much magic is in the air. So the more magic that is present, the more of a barrier against magic it gives Gelt. Yeah. Uh, we've got the Cloak of uh, Molten Metal, which uh, is an enchanted item. It gives him a free plus ward save against shooting attacks. He's actually pretty good at this type of stuff. It's uh, negating any type of range damage for those not aware what shooting attacks are in the tabletop. Uh, a ward save will keep him nice and protected, which is uh, a very, very good ward save. In all and he say. made that himself, which is actually super impressive. Mm -hmm. Won't help him a lot uh, in this fight because there's not going to be any shooting, but uh, good item still. Yeah. And then finally, the Staff of Volans, which is uh, so good on the tabletop because essentially made him a level 6 wizard, which was stupidly good. You'd basically be getting spells off baseline unless uh, people would be able to uh, <laughs> to dispel him. But like even then, that's a lot of magic uh, that's possible to be thrown out. The character is just super great. Obviously, uh, we're not going through end times, Balthazar, are we? No, 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 not Incarnate of Metal. We're <laughs> yeah. just, just normal, normal Gelt. Um, yeah. Yeah, and this, the Staff of Volans, of course, is, like, probably the most powerful arcane artifact that the Empire possesses, uh, being that it, of course, belonged to the first Supreme Patriarch and was a gift from Teclas, and it, every Supreme Patriarch has wielded it, and, yeah, it, it makes your magic go from being, like, really good to, like, insane good. Yeah. It's what allows Gelt to compete with the likes of greater demons and elf lore masters and all of those other like really powerful wizards. Um, yeah. Uh, granted, he you know he's a little more uh, he's he's nuanced on focusing specifically on the lore of metal uh, versus like uh, an elf wizard that's going to be more varied or something like that. But uh, when it comes to the lore of metal, I really don't think there's anyone to compete against Gelt. Um, the only thing that the only character who could come close, in my opinion, is probably the newly invented Zhao Ming. But even then, I think Zhao Ming is more of like a generalist because he, of course, knows all the lores of magic, which allows him, which allows him to cast the lore of Yin or uh, Yang. But uh, I, I think when it comes to just pure metal, Gelt is probably uncontested. Um, yeah. Unless he, he went up against like a Slon that, for whatever reason, was just like metal is my shit. <laughs> yeah. But um. So, yeah, that's Balthazar's Gelt. Now, he is still human. 
um you know he, he has a lot of really powerful artifacts that allow him to fly around and he's very and the pegasus is freakishly quick um and allows him to get around uh and yada 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 but um he he is still he does not like to be in combat <laughs> we'll put it that way he really doesn't want to be in a physical fight um but he does have a lot of really impressive lore feats he is specializes in turning like entire armies to gold um and killing them uh and he also uh is a very sneaky son of a bitch who specializes in transmutation oh on the other and the other side the other rope we've got of course manfred von karstein uh manfred von karstein is also an incredibly powerful wizard in his own right um and very uniquely manfred is a wizard who is very well known for having a just insane amount of spells ready to blast from the hip um at uh pretty much any given moment in that he uses um he's also a lore master but unlike gelt who uh has purely uh man uh, is like a pure master at the lore of metal manfred von karstein is not only a master of the lore of vampires but he's also a master of the lore of death uh, he's one of the greatest undead spellcasters in the world. I think the only vampire, or the, I think the only vampire I would consider a better wizard than Manfred would probably be Zacharias. Um, yeah. And the only reason Zacharias is ahead of him is because Zacharias just has some better artifacts uh, and is like the biggest, baddest Necrock there is. But yeah. Manfred is like barely, barely below him. Mm. Um, he also has a number of really nasty powers. Uh, he specializes in, of course, uh, summoning undead creatures. Uh, that's something a lot of Von Karsteins tend to be really good at. And he has his Master of the Black Arts and Dark Acolyte system, which are things that just make him an even better spellcaster. Uh, he's very good at, like, utilizing any and all magic that can be supped from the air and uh, also kind of, like, hiding it away and allowing him to uh, obliterate his foes with it. Um, for the sake of uh, this battle... We are going to be allowing uh, Manfred to appear as he does in the lore, which Manfred, as he appears in the lore, does actually show up on a, a dragon. Funny enough, he couldn't take a dragon in tabletop. The biggest thing, you could have him on an Abyssal Terror, which was kind of like a griffin equivalent. Um, but weirdly enough, I the probably the biggest thing I hate about this book is that they literally have a story in this army book of Manfred riding a zombie dragon. And then he can't ride a zombie dragon. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Come on, yeah. guys. Why? Why would you do this? Um, but we're going to let him have his dragon. Uh, because he shows up on one. Uh, and of course, that's how a lot of people are uh, used to seeing him with uh, Total War. But in any event, um, he, uh, of course, uh, very, very, very powerful wizard. Uh, he's very good at freaking people out. Uh, you know, he causes terror and all that nonsense because, you know, he's a big spooky vampire who has access to lots of horrible spells and such. And then uh, when it comes to um, his magic specifically, uh, because he is a vampire count and he has access to lore vampires, he can actually summon undead, which is terrifying. Uh, and, like, bring lots of little skeletons and stuff onto the battlefield. Granted, it's going to be pretty much useless against Gelt because Gelt is never going to come down on the ground. Uh, but that is a situation. And then, uh, as far as items go, uh, the two most important is the armor of Temple Hoff, 
which the armor of Tempelhof for uh, Manfred is a really, really nasty uh, set of armor that Manfred has basically, like, butchered many other vampires and used their essence to create to make himself much stronger. Uh, because Manfred discovered a system where vampires can increase their power by essentially eating other vampires. Um, so, uh, so he, um, got really busy on that, and not only does it provide him with some armor, not a ton of armor, uh, but enough to protect him from, like, wayward blows and stuff, but it also, uh, makes him substantially tougher. Um, he's treated as being almost, uh, pretty much as tough as, like, a sizable ogre instead of what you would expect. So he could take a lot of damage before he goes down. And then, of course, he has the Sword of Unholy Power, uh, which this blade basically just makes it that any time um, Manfred cuts somebody, he deals any damage to him, uh, he is able to channel... Where Vlad, his father, would stab you and his sword would literally drink your blood and heal Vlad, Manfred instead opted for a sword that when it stabs you, it converts your life essence into dark magic, which then he can utilize uh, to cast his sorcery. And of course, uh, Manfred von Karstein being... Uh, one of the Von Karstai bloodline, despite the fact he's a fairly good wizard, he's also a very good combatant. Um, he is a very, very skilled fighter um, with his sword and his really weird sickle thing, which I don't know what that weapon is. Like, I know he always has it. I don't know what it is, but I, I'll just call it a sickle. Um, so, those are our combatants. I'm going to go ahead and start my poll. Nathan, what are your thoughts so far? Uh, let me do the poll. Um, Bones up, dudes. Oh, wow. Mm, I'm having a bit of an issue here. No problem. I'll discuss, I'll go ahead and start with my thoughts then. So, yeah. um, one thing that I uh, find interesting about this matchup, especially, I will say Manfred having a dragon certainly does make it where um, Gelt is going to be super struggling in any kind of melee co confrontation. Like, Quicksilver is definitely faster than a dragon and more agile, but obviously dragons are very big and scary and dangerous in combat, and Manfred will absolutely obliterate um gelt if he can get him into melee however um uh, while manfred has the like the melee like if he can get gelt into a fight he like will basically instantly destroy gelt it's not even a contest however gelt is gonna have better maneuverability and gelt also very heavily specializes in trading uh blows at range with pretty much anybody gelt has literally very gelt's a like a very conniving clever son of a bitch and he has very cleverly designed his own kit and his own like uh items that he uses so that he is specialized for avoiding opponents staying away from them and um being very difficult to hit like his cloak of molten metal is literally um more of kind of like an illusion that makes it very difficult to, like, figure out where exactly Gelt is. And even if you hit him, the cloak literally transmutes to protect him um, from any kind of shooting. So, like, that zombie dragon tries to, like, breathe at him. 
very unlikely that it would even hit. But even if it did, very unlikely it would actually do any damage to Gelt because of his cloak. And then his sea amulet uh, that he dug up in Astalia. The thing about it, this ancient elven heirloom that he found, is that the more magic Manfred is blasting him with, so like the more magic Manfred generates for a spell to unleash on Gelt, the more likely the amulet um, is going to deflect it. And that's on top of, because they're both wizards, um, Gelt, of course, is going to be trying to dispel everything Manfred does. And utilizing the Staff of Volans, Gelt is a more powerful wizard than Manfred is. Because um, the Staff of Volans does kind of bump him up to being just an insane level of power. And when you're purely dealing with controlling and stretching and uh, quieting the winds of magic. Now, Manfred does have a lot more versatility because Manfred is not purely relying on, like, the lore of vampires. Like, he's going to be able to use both of his lores. So he could use the lore of vampires to make his dragon significantly more agile and swift as he buffs it up with uh, Van Hal's Dance Bacab. Or he uh, can, like, unleash terrifying spells to, like, change the weather uh, to try and make things more difficult for Gelt. He can use death magic to try and... Um, you know, sap away at uh, Gelt's mind or kill his Pegasus to make him fall from the sky. But there is a lot of really intricate stuff going on. And I think more than anything, it kind of comes down to a magical duel of can Manfred somehow utilize his sorcery, either empowering himself or focusing on Gelt to allow him to get close enough to Gelt to land that one hit he would frankly need to kill Gelt. Because if he can get on Gelt and he can land that blow, Gelt's dead. Like, it's not even close. Um, but Gelt is very slippery. So, uh, uh, normally, I, I, uh, we have Nathan uh, say his pick first. But I'm actually going to go first this time. Um, as much as I know it's going to hurt people to say this, I, I personally think that Manfred would win. I think as long as Manfred is airborne, either on a Hellsteed, an Abyssal Terror, or a Zombie Dragon, I think without Gelt being able... Gelt would be able to resist for a super long time, but I think uh, Manfred has enough... Uh, Manfred is so tanky. Like, he could take a lot of damage from Gelt, and he's also not covered in armor. Like, he has some armor, but he's not super well armored. So the lore of metal, while it would be good against him, would not be, like, as good. Because the lore of metal is kind of one of those lores that the more armored you are, the more at risk you are of being hurt by it. Because it can literally turn your armor against you. Um, I do think Gelt will put up a hell of a fight. But I, I think I would have to go with Manfred. Because I do think he would be able to eventually catch him by at least empowering himself or his dragon. And as soon as he caught him, it'd be like that scene from the first Vampire Count trailer. Where that zombie dragon just eats that bright wizard on the, <laughs> the Pegasus. What about you? What are your thoughts, Nathan? I don't know. When you put up both, uh, because obviously it's a good matchup, you'd basically be getting the Duel of Fates, but with magicians instead of Jedi. Um, I I don't know. I'd have to go with Balthazar of anything, because mainly because like uh, the lore magic that he wields is extremely powerful. Yes, you would get a lot of strength with Manfred being able to use the, uh, the role of death and the role of vampires. 
I think that mainly because Balthazar is so powerful, the Staff of Orleans will mainly supercharge him. Obviously, being able to cast a lot more than, say, Manfred, for example, will give him the edge up. If he can just keep pelting the uh, the dragon and keep pelting Manfred, he could probably slow him down enough. That's true. And obviously, I mean, and like, hell, he could... I mean, Gelt is infamous for using Final Transmutation as, like, his Hail Mary spell. And, like, if he hit Manfred's dragon with that, there's a good chance it would kill the dragon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that spell is just... Uh wonderful it's 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 not as representative on uh total war as it is on the tabletop which is just hilarious oh yeah well it's much more psychologically terrifying in my opinion in like the lore yeah yeah like it is super special you can hit the dragon with that you're basically fucking uh manfred over as much as possible i don't know i'm gonna have to go with gelt like everything to me screams gelt like i i, I, I that's that's awesome great there is a bit of bias though, because I fucking hate Manfred. <laughs> I, I, I mean, hey, like it. I think it would kind of almost be like a cool fight to watch. Of like, you just see Skelt streaking across the sky. Manfred's trying to urge his dragon on as it's slowly turning to gold beneath him, and it just gets, you know, but he, you know, Gelt would just have to stay ahead, stay ahead. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah, great matchup though. Uh, yeah. I actually, uh, actually really enjoyed the. Those two are so very, very well well matched. Yeah, they're good characters. They are. Yeah. So my chat went fifty seven percent in favor of Manfred von Karstein. I've got fifty one percent for Gelt and forty nine for uh, Manfred the baby. Ah, there we go. Hey, those fifty percent. That means we picked a good one. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, basically, the last subject for today. Uh, like I said uh, last time, we're adding a new segment to the show, which is basically just called uh, like Lore Thoughts or Lore Fluff or whatever you want to call it, where me and Nathan uh, will just kind of think of a subject or we'll look on Twitter for a subject, and we will talk about our favorite of that subject within the lore of Warhammer Fantasy. And today, the thing we're doing is our favorite spell. So Nathan, you want to go first or second? Either way is fine. Are we going specifically on or are we using tabletop on it too? You can whatever you whatever your criteria is. It can be whatever you want. Cool, cool. I've got the spell. <laughs> I'll let you go first. All right. So uh, for those who do know me, uh, I am a very highly competitive tabletop player, and sometimes I like to have a little bit of fun. Uh, mostly, I played Skaven, and uh, I think you can imagine what spell I'm going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> The dreaded 13th spell, Curse of the Horned Rat, because it was just so fucking good on the tabletop, because it was just... It would make people so angry at you, and I loved playing it just because of that. Uh, <clears throat> the spell itself is... Um, fun. Essentially, basically, what you would do is you'd cast it, you'd roll a lot of dice, because if on tabletop, you needed a 25-plus to get it out, unless you use certain items to reduce it by half and get a magical 13. And um, it was you like could... what forty six dice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was it was really fuckery. However, if you could land it on your opponent, you would um, do a lot of damage four d six, which was quite a decent amount, unless you had a really bad roll, which it happened to be before. And uh, if you completely destroyed the unit, you would turn them into clan rats, 
Which, yeah, which, uh, which to clarify, when he says 46, like you would roll 46 and granted it can only target very specific types of troops. Yeah, but, infantry. Uh, yeah, it was like, I think, yeah, it was infantry. If you target an infantry unit, you'd roll 46 and whatever you rolled, that's how many people just died. No ward saves. No, nothing. no save of any kind. Yeah, you got, <laughs> there was nothing you could do about it. You just, that many people just insta died. Yeah. I mean, you see those, uh, that unit of Phoenix God from the high Yeah, that was always the, that was the that was the real juicy one. Yeah, yeah. You you just watched in horror as you could because I've had it. I've had four sixes on that before, so I did a shit ton of damage, deleted the unit, and then clan rats. Yeah, and I mean from a lore perspective, that spell is freaking amazing. So mm. like, because it's it's you uh, like the people are literally being transmuted into Skaven. Yeah, which like it's just so fun. <laughs> and the reason, for anyone curious, the reason you only got a unit if you killed the unit was because in the spell's lore, it literally says that because the transformation is like it like it's quick, but it's also like agonizing and very obvious. Basically, anyone in the unit who was not turned into a Skaven would immediately kill the people in the unit turning into a Skaven. But if everybody turned into a Skaven, then you know, suddenly they were yours now. But yeah, I've I've seen that spell in some hilarious circumstances. Probably the mm. most infamous of which is like a character bus of high elves. So you have like like a, a like a lord, techless, and like two nobles. One of them's a BSB and a Phoenix Guard unit, and they get and just everybody turns into a rat and instantly dies. Like it's just, it's just game. Like you might as well stop. You're you're done. <laughs> It's such a good spell. I mean, it's very <laughs> rare to get it. You're pretty much hoping for an overcast because uh, the limit is, what, six dice that you can throw unless you've got some warpstone tokens with you. Uh, but it's so good. So the maximum that you can roll is well, uh, yeah, you nine were die. You were basically just hoping for double sixes. Yeah, it's, it's just so good. It, it's just because it's fuckery and you can just see people's face drop. Like... It is such a great spell. It's a shame that it doesn't really work like that in uh, in uh, Total War because you just basically what summon clan rats or something. Uh, so you summon storm vermin. Yeah. Um, but it it's a it's a weird spell because like if you target it right, then where the tunnel comes up, it'll do like a ton of damage. But it's really hard. It's really weird to target. Like the, yeah. tar the targeting on it's kind of funky. But um, it, it can be really, really strong. It's just that because the lore of plagues has the clan rat summon, most people yeah. just spam the clan rats because it's just cheaper. Um, yeah. But it is a fun spell. Yeah. But I, I've loved this on tabletop and tournaments. It's very rare that I'll use it, uh, mainly because of its high cost rate. But there is just something so satisfying as watching someone's big fucking unit get demolished. And then you just relax as you see them rage <laughs> yep so fun <laughs> um so my favorite spell both from a lore and fond tabletop memories perspective is the comet of Kansandora. oh um, my god <laughs> because that spell is absolutely hysterical mm -hmm. um in that uh it uh <laughs> that spell so it it's what it is on the 10, you summon a comet. Um, it was not that hard to cast. Um, like uh, in, in Total War, it feels much more expensive than it did on tabletop. Because um, what I would normally do is I would literally just take a, um, I would just take a 
skink priest um i would take like two skink priests that were level two on the lore of heavens and just pray that one of them got comet and then i would just six dice comet every turn because the thing about comet that was so hilarious is when you would cast it um uh, you would six dice it because your opponent would really not want it to go off because it was one of the only spells in the game that was a devastating spell that you could force your enemy to try and dodge and they couldn't dispel it. Once the comet started, it couldn't be stopped. And what you would do is after you'd cast, you'd take like a little marker or a coin and you'd put it anywhere you wanted on the table. And every single um, magic phase um, after that, you would roll a d6. And on a one through three, the comet would either get bigger or on a four through six, it would hit the ground. And when it hit the ground, it would hit in a radius of 2d6 inches plus however many times you had rolled a 1 through 3. And it would do it would do 2d6 hits plus however many um, uh, rounds you had rolled a 1 through 3 at a strength of 4 plus however many rounds it had been building up. So, like, if, like... And depending on your opponent, it could be so horrible. Because basically you'd pick a point where even at like the absolute basic bitch level, it would hurt. Like 2d6 strength 4 hits is not to sneeze at. But odds are it was going to be like 2d6 plus 2 strength 6 hits, which is devastating. Like not a lot is going to take that and walk away. So you drop mm -hmm. it and your opponent would basically have to just start running for his life away from it. Which was hilarious because then he would move out of position. And you could, you know, take advantage of that. Um, yeah. Especially if you had like war machines or something, and then you drop it, and he'd have to go, "Ooh, do I risk my war machine probably getting blown up, or do I try and move away?" In which case, it can't shoot and stuff like that. But it was such a goofy fucking spell um, because the other thing is it would do friendly fire. So what would happen to me a lot of games is I would summon a comet, and I would have like I'd just keep rolling threes. So it would be building up on both of our turns. So I would just keep playing and eventually it would hit the ground with like six or seven counters on it. And because the radius was so large, it would hit everything on the table. Like it would just hit everybody because it had like a, it had like a radius of, uh, or it would have like a diameter of like, like a 19 inch area of effect. So like, there's just no dodging that. So it would hit everybody. And you would just be like, all right, I'll just hope that I have more stuff left on the table than he does after I resolve the effects of this spell. So, like, it was just hysterical. Like, it could be very, very strong. And it was yeah. especially horrifying if you were really lucky and you were getting off multiple comments. Because, you like, I could cast comment on turn one and turn two and turn three and, like, it would be a new comment every time. And it, you're just like, I don't know what's going to hit the ground, but it's going to be great when it does. Um, yeah. Like, I have I have lost games because I've commented myself. But I have won more games than I've lost thanks to comments. Uh, and especially when you have a skink priest that literally costs somewhere between 65 to 100 points, just spam casting this spell, it could be infuriating because it's a very good spell or a really just shit tier wizard <laughs> to just be like, I'm just going to keep throwing and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and I always love the idea of this skink whose only job is to just reach into space and just slap stuff at the earth. Um, but, uh, but I also love in Total War 
Like, I, 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 I do wish that it, it had much better damage than it does. Um, or, or, like, a larger radius or at least more damage, like, it, on its exact impact. So that if it landed, like, right on top of a monster, maybe it could kill it. Like, the, the nukes do for Icket Claw. But... It is still a very fun spell. It has a spectacular effect, and if you hit, like, a big block of infantry or cavalry with it, it will absolutely fuck. Like, it'll, yeah. it'll do so much damage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, for anyone wondering, what, what this spell does from a lore perspective is there, you know, there's, like, a lot of things just hanging out in space, and Comet of Kansadora is literally that the wizard, like, just searches for a comet of a certain size or uh, within a certain distance, and they literally just magically grab it and pull it towards the planet very quickly. So it just starts immediately hurtling towards wherever the wizard vaguely aimed at. And there have been some pretty comical moments in the lore of people using the spell. And pretty much every time someone uses the spell in lore, it does not go the way you want it to. Like, It'll obliterate whatever it hits, but it tends to wipe out, like, both sides <laughs> as opposed to just one side. Um, I mean, probably my favorite time it got used, even though it was sad, was during the end times. Teto Echo drops a meteor on um, the city of uh, Tlunksha as it's getting overrun by Skaven. And, like, the meteor is so big, it literally just, like, turns the city to ash. <laughs> Most of the Lizardmen who are, like, way out of the city... If they didn't have, like, a barrier protecting them, like Teto Echo did, they just died. Because the impact was, like, that stupid. And, of course, yeah. I mean, that's basically what the Celestial Dragon Emperor's uh, Court of Astromancers did. They literally cast Comet on steroids against the Ogres. <laughs> now, unfortunately for them, it ended up being a Warpstone Comet. Um, which, mm-hmm. honestly, it would have been hilarious if Comet of Katsandor had had that as, like, a bonus rule in tabletop like if you rolled a six when rolling to see if it hits the ground it ends up being a warpstone meteor instead of a regular one it does like bonus damage that would have been so stupid but it would have been great <laughs> fun i do sp- love that spell. yeah fun spell though like i i really hope it's like one of the spells we start with access to in uh warhammer the old world yeah well they'll have to bring in the um they'll have to bring in the uh eight laws of magic i think uh directly and i mean it looks like Empire won't have access to them unless they change the lore a bit because uh, we didn't get the Colleges of Magic until after that war. Uh, but I don't know. Like, well, obviously Empire, uh, uh, High Elves... Uh, well, they did, they did start training the wizards during the war. Teclis did. Yeah, true, they, true. They, they had Volans and all of them at the Battle of Kislev. Hmm. It, w- it would be interesting. It would be interesting. Like, uh, a lot of those spells were just so fuckery but so good. I mean... Uh, one which is very similar would be uh, remember plague, yeah, but plague, what plague and foot of gork? Those two spells, yeah. like they were very strong, but man, yeah. if they backfired, ooh, it was bad. <laughs> it was super bad. Like if if you see a Skaven player start frothing at the mouth, you know he's going to cast plague, and you have to get ready for either things to go very well for him, very well for you. Everyone's just getting fucked over, or just nothing happening at all. It's uh, it was so fun. <laughs> yeah. So for those listening, the, the, the pl- plague and foot of Gork had a similar system in that when you cast the spell, you would get to resolve it. Where plague is, you'd pick a unit and deal damage to them, and foot of Gork is you'd literally like put a foot template over a unit and stomp on them. Um, however, what was unique about these spells is they could spread so they could keep going. So for plague, you'd roll a, you'd roll a dice and 
on a, I think it was like on a three or higher or a four or higher, you could spread it to a nearby enemy unit. But if you rolled like a one, it would spread to a friendly unit. And the, the... I can tell you here. Uh, one is a spell backfiring. Two to four is spell ends. And then five to six, you can choose to hit a target within 12 inches. Yeah. So, so if you rolled a one, your opponent would go, oh, I'm infecting your unit. So, and it would, and it, it could keep going. And the foot of Gork is the exact same. The foot of Gork, every time you'd stop, you'd roll a dice. And I think on the foot of Gork, it was like a four up. It would, you could stomp on a new target. And on a one, your opponent would get to stomp on one of your things. But you would just keep going until you got like a two or a three, and then it would stop. But yeah. it could get absolutely ludicrous uh, between Plague and Foot of Gork um, of just the much. You, you don't know who, you don't know who's going to benefit from it. <laughs> That's but, why when a lot of people say, uh, oh yeah, magic's really overpowered in Total War Warhammer. I say, yeah, you should see it on the tabletop, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, right, dude. We could easily delete a unit from existence in tabletop. Yeah. That was that was casual. People use them like purple. You could delete armies from existence with a single spell with Purple Sun. Oh God, Purple Sun! I love that spell so much. Yeah, or like if there was like a character bus, you could literally just be like dwellers below, <laughs> and that unit would just yes! like cease. <laughs> like oh. th there were there spells were. There used to be some just absolutely fucking ridiculous spells. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, man. I can't wait to have another... I've got a game coming up next week. I'm just so excited to play because I've got Purple Sun on my list. <laughs> yeah. Or you'd have, like, Bretonians, like, overcast, like, Savage Beast of Horos on their character bus. So every single character, would their strength would be, like, twice as high. And they'd have twice as many attacks. <laughs> so that each of them individually was, like, a god. <laughs> They don't swing and you're just like, oh, okay, I just lose. All right, fine. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, I miss them so much. I actually, uh, I remember, I'll actually, I'll show you. One second, give me a sec. It's, it's show and tell time. Hope you're doing well, chat. We do appreciate you all joining us today. Um, obviously, there's a lot of tense subjects and happy subjects going on these days, but we, we hope you all are still enjoying the show. Uh, the spell templates and shit. Oh, I love that. You got your, you got your five them. inches. Where's your three yeah. inch? Uh, five, five. These are the, uh, these are the official ones sold by G Dubs. Oh, okay. What's the, what's the, what's that? Oh, is that banishment? Uh, banishment. You've got for every vortex and That's big spell sun. has one. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what the, no, ban banishment wasn't a vortex. Banishment was direct damage. What the, what the yeah. white vortex supposed to be? Uh, don't know. No, this one's yellow. Yeah, which which one is that? What spell is that supposed to be, though? Uh, I'm not too sure. I know there was, uh, every vortex was covered with this. Uh, because, like, they give you a nice little, uh, group of them. I've got, like... All the vortex... I'm trying to remember, let's see, the vortex spells were... It was Flamestorm? Maybe that's Flamestorm? Uh... Ch no, Chain Lightning was not a vortex spell. There, there were, like, very few vortex spells in Tabletop. There were, like, two or three. Yeah, um, no, no, there, there's quite a few because I've got six. Give me a second, I'll get them all. I'm trying to think what the white one could be. It might have been one of the army specific ones because I don't think there was a white. It's a bit dusty because I barely use them anymore. Uh, I mean, Flamestorm is here. Okay, so there's Flamestorm. And then Purple Sun uh... is the purple one. 
I'm assuming this is Papelson, yeah. Okay, then there should be what Pit of Shades, maybe? This is Pit of Shades. Okay. Because it's got skulls all over and all that. Uh not sure what this one is. Yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> no idea. This is the Skaven one, isn't it? Oh, um, what was, which one was the Skaven one? Was it Vermintide? I think Vermintide was the Vortex. I could be wrong. It could be Vermintide. The Hounds of Orion were like an actual model. Oh, wait, no, it wasn't Gehenna's Gold Hounds. That wasn't a Vortex either. Yeah, and we've got this one too, which I think this is uh, for the Thunderbolt. Yeah. Yeah, this could be on the book because this is lightning and all that. It's it's a cool thing. Like I picked this up. Uh, they released this, I think, at the beginning of eighth. Yeah, I think so. Either that, or, like, yeah, it, it would have been at the beginning of eighth. Army suggestion for a beginner: Flaming Dragon in in what? <laughs> like in fantasy, in AOS, in Total War? Because that the answer will change significantly <laughs> depending yeah. on which medium you choose. But, um, yeah, I, I always love the gimmicky shit. Like, I love, like, even though I know it's them just, like, stealing money from me, like, I, I love that kind of shit. <laughs> Those physical little, like, I love the little, like, the little templates you get or the little, like, physical markers for, like, spells and stuff. And, like, the special rulers and all that. Like, I am, I am such a slut for that stuff. It's not even funny. Best gimmicky thing was this, because I, I like how they did this better than fucking, uh, because they just take my house cool ones, but I think... This was the best. Hopefully it shows up because it is green. What is that? Some of the old dice tins? Oh, the dice tins. Oh, wait, hold on. I want to I wanna see if I can find something I want to show off too cool. Hold on. Ugh. Yeah, opening this up is a bastard. Uh, whoa. Oh, little sweeties. Warpstone dice. These are so fucking rare now. All right, my turn for show and tell. What I yeah. got spell cards. Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Those are so cool. I love them. I've got the whole collection myself. They're yeah, so I've, fun I've, to I've use. only got the uh, the Luzerman ones, but like these these were fucking hype every time they released a new book. The spell cards, these were great. Yeah, it's just it made it so easier to use on the on the on a match and so on. Those were just so good. Yeah, I wish they released them for AOS. <laughs> I would love spell cards in AOS, but they don't do that. That's weird. Yeah, they only they only release like little like punch out tokens for like if your spell like has like a lingering effect, so you can like put it next to a unit. But they don't they don't do spell cards anymore. Um, they they Someone's do they do battle they do war scrolls, which will have yeah. like all of your rules and stuff. But they haven't yeah. they haven't done spell cards. Uh, yeah, which is a bummer. For those confused, uh, spell cards is because you'd have your spells in your army book, right? Uh, which isn't showing up yet. Yeah, yeah, these are like these are like quick reference. They, yeah, they, these it's not like fifth edition where you actually needed cards. Yeah. <laughs> these were just so you didn't have to open your book. 
it just made things so much better, especially if you were using, say, for example, remember uh, Storm of Magic with just the horrendous amount of spells there? Oh, yeah. So it just made life so much easier. And now, it was I, just so I, I secretly hope that's something that they do. Like, they don't have to. I wouldn't, I wouldn't upset if they didn't do it. But I would love so much if they added for the Storm of Magic fights in the Realm of Chaos, if you had like a small percentage chance to get the spell that's unique to your army in the Storm of Magic book. Like yeah. the Super Nurgle spell or the Super Lizardman spell or those, because those spells are so fucking dumb. Like in a fun way, but they are so dumb. <laughs> They're so overpowered, um, and we're just hilarious. Yeah, they, they were just. I I I refuse to play much of Storm of Chaos, uh, Storm of Magic, because they were just. It was so much uh, sometimes. It, it, Storm of Magic is not like you should not play that for like competitive. It was purely like Ooh. stupid fun. Like, yeah. if you and your friends wanted to get drunk and play a game that you were probably need to be a little bit sober because of all the rules, but, like, if you wanted to play, like, just a, like, you're like, let's just show up with whatever we have and play a stupid fucking game. That, Storm of Magic, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> perfect for that. <laughs> but it did it was... give us a lot of good monsters, which was fun. Oh, yeah. And the man, monsters like... were, were great. Like, I, in a lot of my local groups, you were allowed to use Scrolls of Binding. You weren't allowed to use the magic items, and you weren't allowed to use the spells, but you could use the monsters. It was just so much fun. It was just so much stupid fun. God, I can't wait for Old World. I really can't. Yeah, uh, dude, I nearly there. It's got to be this year or next year. It's nearly there. Yeah, someone came up with a conspiracy theory that you might like this, right? So <laughs> they made a big uh, push about uh, squares, right? And four sides and all mm. that. And someone came up with a conspiracy theory, right? It was one of the Warhammer Facebook groups, but I shit you not, it was like a fucking dissertation going by, uh, there's clearly four sides to, uh, to the basis, so there's, it's going to be released in four years, which would be 2023. <laughs> <laughs> As I was reading on it, I was like, man, this guy smoked some really good shit to yeah, come up with it. Oh my it kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that... He's like, he's like, listen... The entire marketing campaign was revealed in this first image. It's like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, someone in chat asked, what is our speculative old world release date? I'm thinking probably early. I'm If it's not. So the thing that's important to know about GW is that whenever they do something really big, it's usually a summer campaign. Um, so it's, I think it's probably going to be next summer. Unless yeah. they reveal it at Adepticon, which I think is like, day, this week. Uh, next this week, this week, yeah. I know it's this week. I don't know what day it is, but Adepticon is there. There's probably going to be a big reveal there, but we don't know what it is. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping either this year or next year. Uh, this year would be great because uh, I, I, I've been burning through a lot of my uh, pile of shame in an effort to make space for this, and I am just I'm dying to play. Uh, I'm imagining, because there's been loads of rumors, you know, there's been loads of rumors about um, just loads of stuff. We don't know how true or false they are because some of them sound realistic. Uh, I would just love it if we got it this year because we would start seeing, like, this is the thing. I don't think we're going to start seeing it until we get some, like, Kislev and Cafe DLC because then we'll know what's pretty much coming as Kislev and Cafe DLC, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, that could also literally be, like, next month after, yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know what the schedule is. Yeah. Like, I, I like, assume they're going to start off with like a race pack, but if they don't, then it could be Lord Pack with Cathay or Kislev in it. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, I'm just like hyped up. If it happens, if it happens next year, the guy who really who smokes some really good stuff must have been like, he's he's gonna be smug as I shit. I'm a prophet. Be out in the streets. But like, uh, I, I I'm just hyped. Uh, like, is there anything that you're like personally waiting for for Old World? Um. So the biggest thing I'm waiting for right now is I really want them to release the dwarf map. Because um, you know how they're doing the maps on all like the playable empires and stuff? I really mm. want to see the dwarf map. Yeah. Because uh, right now, so so far we've got, they've done the Border Princes, um, Bretonia, the Empire, Kislev, and Cathay. Yeah. Um, the, the two I'm probably the most excited for right now are that I think we're going to see quickly uh, are dwarfs, or any day now, are dwarfs and the Darklands. Like, I'm, I'm really curious how, like, the Hobgoblin Kane, they're, like, really leaning on. And, yeah. like, I I keep saying this, that for Total War, I'm kind of like, I'm open to the Hobgoblin Kane. There's just some other stuff I want first. Yeah. Um, oh! Oh my gosh! I forgot. There's something super fucking... Actually, hold on. You know what? I'll, I'll, it'll wait for next time. I found something super exciting, but, like, I'll I'll let it I'll let it sit for a week. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let everyone yeah. just be like, "What is Sotek so excited about?" It'll, it'll have to wait till next week. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I, I was surprised that they because uh, everything looked like they were focusing on one area to begin with because they did Bretonia, they did the Empire, they did Kislev, a little bit of a hint towards Norska and the Norse dwarfs, and then uh, straight down to the Border Princes. So I was like, "Oh, this is really really cool." Uh, we're likely going yeah, to get and then they were like cafe. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what is happening? Well, the thing is, and I, I said that in my video when they announced it, it's like, oh look, they announced cafe. Like we weren't expecting it, considering that they released artwork three months ago showing the Warhammer the Old World logo. You know, I did. I do. The map is so pretty, though. It is. It is. And I do love great. that we got the Sinner Brother. Um. Mm. Um. Not Lee Dao. Uh. Oh God, what is his name? Xiaoming Yin. Yao, you bow. You on both. You on both. You on both. Yeah. Yeah. You on both. But like, oh man, I can't wait to see the whole Cathay map. Like, I'm, I'm so, I'm so irritated with them that they, they only showed us most of Cathay. It's like, show me all of it. <laughs> I know you're yeah. not because you're probably hiding something. But show me all of it. <laughs> I was honestly just hoping that they'd move on to, because uh, obviously the Border Princess made a lot of uh, big questions pop up. You know, like. What is this heraldry and all that stuff? So I was like, show me Talia, show me Estalia, come on. Yeah, the Border Princess was really funny, I think, because Games Workshop kind of got a weird reaction from that, where they were like, oh, look, it's the place nobody cares about, so you can make up your own thing. And the whole community was like, I want the lore on all of this. And Games Workshop yeah. was like, what? <laughs> like, oh, we didn't realize y'all actually gave a shit about the Border Princess. <laughs> it's like, of course we do. They, uh, I think, yeah, they must have been really surprised, especially because, like, look, the new heraldry for me, that was, like, this is obviously Arabian with the fucking moon and the sun and all that and the crescent moon. Yeah, well, it so was, typical. like, it was a really cool way to tease a lot of stuff, but I also mm. want to know about, like, what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, we're going there next. I, I, I really had that in my head. I was, like, oh, yeah, next is going to be Estalia, next is going to be Talia. It's, it's definitely one of them. It's, like, oh, cafe. Oh. Yeah, I, I dude, I am, after uh, reading all the up and arm stuff, like, Talea is yeah. just, like, it's just, it's just, it's just teasing us now. 
It's yeah, like, stop, yeah. stop, stop teasing me and let me finish. <laughs> Show yeah. me to like, yeah, you bastards. The, the, the book is really good. I'm not sure if, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I think a lot of people have been reading it at this point. Like, uh, they established a lot of stuff in uh, in there that was just cementing it. This is something which uh, a lot of people kind of got confused about when I did my video. It's like, it's not the fact that it's, because uh, there is some new stuff, but the fact that it got re-cemented yeah, it's, into it's, the lore. It's very similar to what they've been doing with Cathay and Kislev, where like everything they can keep, they keep. And then they just like fill in gaps. Oh, yeah. Which is which is an impressive thing because uh, a lot of people don't seem to look towards Cubicle Seven as a uh, another source, which, is which they should. Dumb because we've proved it multiple times <laughs> already. Exactly. There's a lot of stuff which we need to like. Cross referencing is important. Uh, I think they do a very good job too. I think they've got very good writers because the stuff that they do release still feels like Warhammer Fantasy, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I literally the only problem I originally had with them was when they first started the the lore was obviously in a different edition uh like Ooh. it was it was like fifth edition lore and i remember yeah. being like man i love this but i hate that it's not eighth and then they're like haha just kidding we're going to eighth <laughs> it's like oh um but and i also the thing that i really love about it is i love that we're getting updates to the lore of the warhammer we all know and love like don't get me wrong i'm excited for the old world but I am also very excited to get like updates to the modern world and Cubicle 7 is doing that, which I'm yeah. so thankful for. Which actually, uh, there was a rumor and I want to get your opinion on it before we go call it a day. Someone put out a little rumor once and I was like, oh, this sounds quite interesting. Old World will have multiple settings through supplements. I think that makes sense. Like, yeah, I just, because they have two options, right? No, sorry, three options, which one of them would be awful. So the worst case scenario, they release Warhammer the Old World, which is about, like, the Great War against Chaos timeline, and then that's, like, it. Like, yeah. once the Great War ends, that's, that's the end of the setting. Like, yeah. Horus Heresy, essentially. I, I think that would be yeah. terrible. Um, yeah. Second option, which would be okay, but not my preferred option, is that they do the Great War against Chaos, and then it literally just keeps going along the timeline until we get to the modern day. Fine, but not my preferred. I think the yeah. best option would be it's like a greatest hits series. So like you do the Great War against Chaos, and then once we finish that, okay, now it's time for the Time of Darkness and Disharmony in Cathay, which is technically the same war, but or so maybe a better example would be like, hey, we're gonna go do the Lustrian War. So it's gonna yeah. be a big focus on Skaven versus Lizardmen with every everyone else involved, and yeah. then. Oh, now we're going to go do the Vampire Wars in the Empire and give you, like, a new Vlad and Isabella mini and focus on that war. Once we're mm. done with that, okay, now we're going to go do the, the the Goblin Wars, where we're going to focus on the Dwarves versus the, uh, the, the Greenskins and the Skaven. Okay, we're done with that. Now we're going to go do the War of the Dead, when the Tomb Kings fought the newly resurrected Nagash, and we got to have this big fight of Undead versus Undead. Okay, we're done with that. Now we're going to go do the War of the Beard. And you're like, that would just... Yes. You're, just you're just printing money. After that, we're going to go do the Sundering. Like, literally just printing money. 
Like, and I would be like, ooh, ooh, yeah, mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> Let's do the Great Cataclysm when the demons, you know, showed up. And there's like, hey, you want an Anarian mini? Here's a fucking Anarian mini that you can only yeah. use for this mode, but like, go ham. <laughs> you know, you know, give me a Calor Dragon Tamer mini or give me Lord Croak live as an exclusive mini. Like, I would pay so much fucking money for any of that. Yeah. Like it would be really, really cool. That that's kind of like the like the rumor going around. And I tell you what, I like the idea because uh, I like. Don't get me wrong, I like the thirty k system because what that would mean is if they did the thirty k system, that we would get a shit ton of novels because they're not going to end thirty k until the novels end. Four k like, no los dos. <laughs> yeah, but like we have what like uh, horse heresy is what like sixty novels in now or something. Yeah, dude, I would. Like, with having the whole planet, they could easily do that with the Great War. Because the Great War, I mean, the thing that's so exciting about it is everybody's involved. Like, literally every single faction in the Warhammer Fantasy planet was involved in the Great War. Because um, yeah. that's that's the whole point, is it's Warhammer's World War I. Um, yeah. But, uh, so, like, man, I would love that. If they had a series where it's like, okay, these books are going to focus on, like, the Kislevite perspective. And then just as we're getting to the big fight, we switch to the Magnus perspective. And then it switches to the Bretonia perspective, and then it switches to the the Cathay perspective, and like it could just be nuts. I mean, the Great War Against Chaos itself has so much uh, possible law breaks, uh, law uh, law changes, because uh, we, as far as we are aware, given the artwork that they have shown, we're starting at the point where we don't have three emperors; we have four, because yes, Marienburg is independent. Yeah, so Marienburg has um, bought its independence at this point. Um, wait, is that right? I think that's right. Because they bought their independence. Yes, yes. Uh, Marienburg's independent at this point. And then you've got the other three. Uh, and then you yeah. got the three emperors. Um, yeah. Uh, but, um, so, like, we got that, which that's, like, boom. That's four perspectives right there. And that doesn't yeah. even seem to include Magnus, so that's like a fifth perspective. Yeah. Um, and then you got like the dwarfs, like we got Norskin dwarves. I'd love to see what was going on with them because we know yeah. that um, one of Azavar Cool's big. So Azavar Cool had like a series of really big generals. One of his biggest generals was Valmir Isling, who in the Warrior of Chaos um, story, he goes to war with the Norskin dwarves. So while Azavar Cool and all his buddies go down to Kislev after they get. Oh, Marion Burke had not bought its freedom yet? Okay, so they were not quite there yet. Um, couldn't remember when... Uh, I couldn't remember which emperor it was that um, paid them off. Uh, or they paid off. But, um, uh, so you have this big thing of, like... I would love to see the Norskin Dwarves versus Isling. Like, that would that yeah. would be a really cool war. Um, and give them a big focus while we also still have the Karasakalak Dwarves who are come up and fight in the, the Battle of the Gates of Kislev. Mm-hmm. And like Bretonia had an errantry war going on against the Greenskins during all this, so that would be super fun. Round about that time, also was uh, a certain Sultan rising and uh, dealing with Estalia and Talia. Yeah, and the, uh, the, the the unnamed. Um... Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. I'm I'm very excited to see how everything's gonna play out. Yeah, like um... there's so much. I uh, is this right before? Uh, this is also right before the Skaven Black Plague, isn't it? the black plague was uh, i think the black plague is already over i think the black plague was like in like 1111 ic and this is like in 2300 ic cuz they uh i'm uh there's the case of uh 
Yeah, yeah, it's after because uh, Boris Goldgather would have been dead, wouldn't he? Yeah, uh, uh, Bold yeah, Goldgather is super dead. Yeah. Ah oh, man, I just can't wait. I want, I want to, I want to see that. I want to see, I want to see Bretonians versus Araby in a box. I want to see fucking Kislev versus Chaos. I want to see Norska as a proper army book, which I think would be kind of cool. Um, not just a shitty supplement type of thing. Uh, oh god. I just I can't wait to see what the hell happens. I just really can't wait for Old World. I really can't. Uh, neither can I. It's everything. Uh, gosh, very exciting. Yeah, man. Like I am just uh, like the moment that book comes out, I'm locking my way for two weeks, and just nobody's gonna see me. Nobody's gonna see me online. It's just I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I may have to like just so I can like make money and not like go out of business as a YouTuber, just like read it on stream. <laughs> just be like live reacting <laughs> as a stream. Like I'm not even gonna read chat, like y'all can just it'll basically be like a sleep stream, but it'll just be a nerd being like, Oh, oh <laughs> like that's all it is the entire time. <laughs> People would watch that, right? <laughs> just reaction porn. <laughs> This is gonna be amazing. I, I honestly just, oh man, like I want new rules. I want new miniatures. I, I, I want an army. But I, I want you know that feeling when a new edition comes and you get that fresh new army book that you've been waiting for, and you're like, I can't wait to make so I'm many not, people I'm fucking cry. A long time. Yeah, man. Like, I like, kind I'm of just... feel. I, I, I sort of feel that way about Night Hunt, but like AOS is like it's just not the same for me. Like I enjoy oh. it, but it's mm. it's not the same as fantasy. It's, it's yeah, not. I just can't wait to pick up. And uh, I dude, hope the rule book is stupid large again. Like, and dude, just so I can beat the fact, to death with it. The fact I'm going to get to play a tabletop game where there's like flanking yeah. <laughs> as a tactic. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait. I honestly can't wait. I think, uh, I think, because that, that will definitely become content for you and me, you know, because like. We, we we love this shit, man. We've been waiting. We've been screaming, bring back one. Dude, we're, we're literally just waiting for that. Like, yeah. like, Total War's great, don't get me wrong, but, like, I think, honestly, we're tabletop people first. Yeah, like, law uh, changes, so just fucking meta stuff, list building, God. You know how much I love just sitting down with, like, Battle Scribe open and just writing hypothetical lists because... It's just so stupid. Oh yeah, fun. dude. All all my all my army books from when I was little, so like my sixth edition and fifth edition books, are literally just full of scribbles. Because I was a kid and I would write like, and I would like be building army but like listen my book and stuff. And like I looked back at it fondly. Like, it, thankfully, I'm a different kind. I'm not the kind of collector where it's like I need in mint condition. I'm just like, oh, you know, it's used because I love it. Like it's used with love. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, I would fucking hate younger me. <laughs> I've got uh, one of the army books. I think it was the. Uh, I was. Uh, I think it was actually the. Uh, there's one. I think it's the Bretonian one when I was doing my paladin build because I, I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm sure Bretonia will work in a decent army on the tabletop, and I built a paladin which was really really cool, and it fucked up on me really badly. So I've actually gotten written down there twat next to that fucking virtue. <laughs> my so. Um, the first edition that I really, really got to play and like just spend all the time with in the world, the sixth edition, held together by duct tape. 
uh that, that's good though that shows use that shows fucking use like, and like you can see how just like ripped and everything everything is like some of the pages will fall out if i'm not careful like this 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 poor book has been through the ringer <laughs> it's just it's been through so much um so cool but you know it was being used by an 11 year old child so <laughs> you know instead of like i don't know going to a print shop which definitely existed then and getting them to just put like rings through it i was like nah fucking duct tape <laughs> that's there we go that'll that'll do it <laughs> that's so cool god sell it to you for 300 dollars. you know hammond i i'll think about it <laughs> that's that's because I, I could probably buy a much nicer one of that same book for about that much money <laughs> collectors are so uh dude i have a mint condition tamacon right mint condition because uh yep, i've only here. used it for, and for it a was, few different uh campaigns that book is so expensive yeah and people message me every so often offering stupid amounts of money it's like nah man this is my book it's part of my collection like I yeah know. well it's the the monsters arcanum and tarmacon dude like those two books, because they they're just they're such nice quality. They're massive. Like they're literally yeah. the highest quality books that were ever made for fantasy, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. They sell for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Yeah, I see them more or less uh, through reseller websites for like two hundred, three hundred pounds. It's like fuck, man. That's a like I understand because the book is so good and the Tamacon story is actually really good. Oh, it's great, excellent. But like people just uh, like they go insane with it, and I understand why because obviously these are rare things and a lot of people become collectors because of Total War uh but like it's like damn man like if gw decided to just like do like what they did with the um realms of chaos book right the the one with the nurgle uh with the gate and clean one at the front mm -hmm. if they just decided to reprint they would make a stupid amount of money and the fact that they haven't done this yet proves that they're fucking stupid <laughs> uh, they just hate money <laughs> yeah <laughs> for some reason um yeah i um yeah anyway uh we are uh we are past time <laughs> and so it's time for us to go uh yeah. especially because i've got a warhammer fantasy roleplay session here in a little bit um nice. and uh uh hopefully everyone uh had fun uh mm -hmm. today was a good day um i will i will say this hint i'll say this hint for next week and i'm just gonna leave everyone in horrible suspense i have found deep genuine proof from something games workshop did very very recently i honest to god think they're releasing fishmen you are just going to like not stop so, with that. So, are you? No, no, I legit like I was I was doing something. Oh, I can't say what it was yet, but I was doing something, and like it's literally like a full thing about this mysterious, horrifying race of fishman creatures, and I was like, oh. <laughs> but you have to wait till next week to find out what it is. There is definitely someone at GW just writing like Sotek really wants Fishman. Let's let's just like tease him more. Let's yeah, see some how asshole, much we can. <laughs> some asshole with an edging fetish that's like I'm just gonna see how close I can get him without ever giving it to him. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's gonna be it for today's show. Uh, Nathan, yeah. you got anything big coming up that you want people to know about? Uh, yeah, two things. First up, uh, for those interested in the new rule set, uh, my, my community has been dealing with Warhammer Fantasy Crusade, uh, just their own take on Warhammer Fantasy and Crusade uh, to make it quite fun. It's been quite interesting watching them play. Uh, really, really nice, to be honest. Like, uh, just contact Rowan the Accused. Uh, he's, he's, he's the one who wrote the rules. It's pretty mm. good. I'll send you the, uh, I'll send you the uh, PDF later so you can check it out because you might really like it, man. Yeah, I'd love to take a look. 
yeah maybe we can uh, talk about that next time that'd be great yeah definitely and uh other than that i'm just streaming a lot more on twitch i just finished dying light 2 which was really really fun oh you uh, great it story okay great yeah dude uh seven sessions eight sessions six hours each because i just got really immersed Damn, into all it. right yeah you're you're really hitting that twitch that twitch game hard <laughs> it was so <laughs> there, good there, there man some of the side quests were just like really uh sad but like well written like you would definitely well, love that a, game. a game about a zombie apocalypse is sad what no no i mean like <laughs> genuine heartstrings it was great but yeah i'm streaming a lot more on twitch on twitch tv uh, slash the great book of grudges i'll probably be doing something tonight too because uh, i put a little poll up and i kind of just want to stream a bit more mordheim will be coming back on the channel for Ooh, that uh choice. on monday I miss that game so much. Great game. I, game. I I will never forgive them for abandoning us for a piece of shit like Necromunda. <laughs> I, I well, they abandoned. I they abandoned that. that too. They I abandoned know. that too. <laughs> I know, but at least our piece of shit was actually fun. <laughs> yeah. How but, dare uh, they abandon us? Give me a quick sec. I'm just gonna link my Twitch on my chat because like uh, I I don't promote it enough on YouTube because YouTube has this weird thing about like killing off your uh, viewership uh, if you put a Twitch link. Really? Uh, That's hilarious. Yeah. It literally www.twitch.tv slash the great book of grudges. Go follow yeah. if you haven't already. How dare you? Uh, and what are you up to then? Uh, so uh, the things on the channel, um, I've got some theory videos that are nearly done. I've been working on one really big thing that's going to be the start of like an overarching theory. Uh, my health has been getting very much in the way of it because uh, I was yeah. doing a lot of writing and stuff and then it started making me sick. So, so I'm trying to get to, uh, I'm trying to find that balance of like figuring out how long I can like work and do research and stuff without pushing myself too hard. Uh, yeah. cause I'm really trying to get this ulcer to finish healing and, yeah. uh, it's just, it's just driving me nuts. Um, you feeling bad though? Uh, I, I have good days and bad days. Yeah. Um, the good news is I did finally find an ENT that accepts my insurance. So that's nice. Um, yeah. so I should be getting that scheduled, um, this upcoming week. I don't know when I'm going to get to see him, but hopefully soon. Uh, and I can get, uh, some stuff checked out and hopefully, hopefully be on the road to recovery. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely been a long few months. Yeah. I imagine. But that's how it goes. In any event, uh, thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, we hope you all had fun and uh are enjoying lore beards and everything we'll see y'all next week and until then take care of yourselves be safe and uh we'll see you guys next time thanks for watching Bye bye <laughs>